Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a movie review podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to films. Uh, and in this way, we help each other to catch up on our cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, at the moment, uh, we are currently in the midst of Kyle's Killer October, a special event wherein I've handed over creative control of the programming decisions to Kyle exclusively uh, for the entire month of October. Uh, and this is actually the last episode in Kyle's Killer October. So, Kyle, what did you decide to go with for your last at-bat for October? Well, it actually fits in really well with the Killer October because there's a lot of killing in this movie. Uh, this is 1980's uh, Cannibal Holocaust, uh, directed by Ruggiero... Uh, Deodato. De- Deodato. Uh, yes, he is an <laughs> Italian director who said, Fuck Giallo, uh, I'm going to do something different. Um, yes, Cannibal Holocaust is not a campy film, which is uh, originally what I wanted to do. So this is a this is a mutual catching up for Trevor and I. Neither one of us have seen this. Uh, we've heard about it. He's heard about it uh, for several years now. Um, I learned about this around the Eli Roth era. Ah, yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, actually, this director made a cameo in Hostel or Hostel Part Two. He's one of the one of the guys killing the people in the. I think it was two, because I've seen pictures of what he looks like, and I think I've only seen the first 20 minutes of Hostel 2. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, it is actually a movie I wouldn't mind going back to finish. Um, Eli Roth is a strange director. Do you think he's seen this movie? I don't know if he's seen this movie. Yeah, see, you need to help me out, actually, because uh, this was really bothering me. Um, the very first thing that we're introduced to in this film, and we'll do a proper setup, yeah. so I don't want to get totally into it, but the very first thing we're introduced to in this film is the score. Yeah. Uh, which is by a fellow by the name of Riz Ortolani. Um, it, apparently he's an extremely prolific composer in Italian cinema, unfamiliar to me, um, but apparently he's done like at least 100 films. He's a big fucking deal. Gotcha. Uh, but the, I, I want to call it the main theme of this movie, is this really, like, strange somber like melancholy tune that it has like a a synth quality to it yeah and i can't remember if this was in the green inferno because i know this piece of music i have heard it before and this is the first time i watched this movie just last night but as soon as that music came on i was like i know that I have heard that before. I, you know, I'm not sure. I actually have Trevor music. Uh, <laughs> well, you got it. Because so. uh, I, I was going to ask you about it because I wanted to see what you felt about it. I, I personally like the, the music, some of the music in this movie. It's uh, limited, but very effective. Very effective. But we do get some groovy music every once in a while, which is very strange. There's that one part where uh, the Professor Monroe, he asks that they turn off the music. I was like, God damn it. I was enjoying myself. <laughs> So yeah, I, I'm right with you. I did enjoy the score for this. It, Like I said, though, it is limited. There's yeah. like three major themes that play all throughout the movie. Pretty much anytime something bad's happening, this music plays. Anytime uh, something sad happens, this music plays. Anytime some fucking happens, this music happens. It, it, it's like three major tracks, but they're all composed extraordinarily well. But I was just curious if the if that track in particular was in the Green Inferno, or if you remember. I've, I've seen the Green Inferno. It is very possible that it pops up in there. I wouldn't be surprised because literally the Green Inferno is what they refer to as uh, Columbia or the Amazon here. Well, it's also the working title of Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, it, like uh, you can kind of tell based on the dialogue because there is a lot of repetition of that of that turn of phrase, which would have been Inferno. an awesome title. Like. 
it would have completely changed expectations. Because when you see Cannibal Holocaust, you're like, oh, this is going to be stupid. Like, this is just going to be a silly, cheap, dumb movie. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, I think The Green Inferno is actually a, a solid fucking title. That's the reason why I watched Eli Ross Green Inferno. Because <laughs> I'm like, eh, this might not be very good. And I know it's going to be unsettling, but that name, that title's awesome. It is. And Cannibal Holocaust, it kind of makes it known, like, oh, this is an exploitation film. But it's not. It's not. <laughs> There's a little more to it. There's a few more layers. But yeah, like as a casual observer, like if you saw a movie poster for something called Cannibal Holocaust, right there, like 80% of people on the planet are just going to look at, roll their eyes and keep yeah. walking. Yeah. Uh, so that was a conscious decision on the part of whoever distributed or produced the film. Uh, not sure how I feel about it. I think I would have preferred The Green Inferno, but um, let, we should go over our path to cannibal holocaust yeah. like what what led us to cannibal holocaust or you in particular i guess yeah because i'm the one that picked this so i'll, yeah. I'll start out yeah Kyle, so, explain yourself <laughs> <laughs> so i i kind of have a fascination with um particular like particularly gruesome movies that stand out and i like to see them because i want to see the practical effects and see is it does it look legit is it just gratuitous for no reason um, and in this case, I'm not sure how I feel if this was gratuitous for no reason or if it's exactly what it needed uh, to set the tone, whatever the tone, whatever the director was going for. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's a couple of other movies on my list um, I've wanted to watch, and I think they are on, like, in this realm are the Serbian film and uh, Salo or 120 Days of Sodom. Uh, the difference, the, 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 and The Devils, which I actually own, I just haven't got to see yet, which is supposed to be pretty upsetting, unsettling. Okay. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see this because I was assuming this was like a campy, a campy horror film where we have like really good, realistic, practical effects. There are way more layers to this movie, and if you're unfamiliar with this movie, uh, read up on it. I, I'm not. I would not suggest anybody watch this. Um, if you are at all interested, you've probably already done your research, in, in which case you can make your own informed decision. But if you have no idea about this film and do not like practical, or not a gore fan, I'd say steer clear of this, because this is going to ruin your night. This movie is the ninth gate of, of movies. <laughs> like, not the movie The Ninth Gate, but like the, the, the actual, actual ninth, ninth gate, gate yeah. where it's like, unless you are actively looking for it yeah you probably shouldn't watch it yeah it's I've, not something you casually just put on <laughs> yeah i dump gasoline on myself and just fucking no, th this is the eight millimeter of of <laughs> yeah. movies you you need to be you need to know who you are and know what your, your limits are yeah uh, because absolutely not this is not a movie for everyone um and i think that eli roth needs to seek therapy because he uh, obviously regards this film highly regards this film yes yeah uh, he's got problems. <laughs> um, well, that's what's funny is uh, I have I personally I don't know about you, but I have zero background with the the cannibal subgenre of movies. Apparently, there was a subgenre that was pretty big in the '70s, largely in Italian cinema. There's a market for that. Yeah, <laughs> no, like no joke. There was a subgenre of movies, like kind of like. I guess horror movies, kind of. It's, yeah. it's like a spinoff of zombie movies, basically. More or less. Um, How do we make zombies more terrifying? Have it people. Yeah, have it be people making conscious decisions. Grounded in reality. Yeah. Um, and apparently Eli Roth was a big fan not only of this movie, which is apparently supposed to be the apex of this subgenre, but just the genre in general. 
Um, I had zero background with it. So actually, uh, I saw this in reverse order because I saw the Green Inferno mm. like when it first came out. I didn't I didn't pay for it. I, I <laughs> <laughs> acquired it through non-traditional means. Yeah. But I saw Cannibal Holocaust just last night. So I saw the homage to the genre and then like the pinnacle of the genre. I didn't in think that it, order. I didn't think I'd say this. I think this is a better film than the Green Inferno. Absolutely, no, Green Inferno is not good. It's awful. Green Inferno is terrible. Yeah. Um, the diarrhea sequence, fuck. He, Eli Roth has a very, I think he has a very particular sense of humor where mm-hmm. he even even like in interviews, I've noticed like he's he has like an adversarial relationship with his uh his critics, mm. kind of like Uva Bowl. Uh, the, the, <laughs> but, but you know Uva Bull actually you know punches people yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eli Roth just kind of shrugs his shoulders and says you know I, I make what I like and if you guys got problems with that too bad I, I'm I'm Quentin Tarantino's best friend I was I'm, gonna say, I'm always gonna get finance they're, <laughs> they're both fanboy directors they are but yeah. how they how they actually make films is completely different Quentin Tarantino takes shots and ideas from other films and creates something completely different whereas Eli Roth is taking an idea, and it's he's just not executing it as well. Well, he has like a, a giddy enthusiasm yeah. in, in his movies that I can't think of one that that doesn't have like his stamp on it in some way. Where it just you know you know it's him, and I appreciate that. But it's always very strange. Like Cabin Fever has like a an edge to it, like a, a cruelty mm-hmm. and and elements to the dialogue that's like there's something off here. That just doesn't jive with the tone that we're kind of pushing here, and then like Hostel has elements of like pitch black, inky black humor yeah. that just kind of manifests towards the end. That's like I don't know why we're doing that now. Like we've kind of been in the pits of hell for the past hour. Why Seriously. is this happening now? And then like Knock Knock. Have you seen that by the way? No, I haven't. Uh, good Keanu. I, Keanu very rarely gets to. Uh, emote rage on camera oh i don't think i've ever seen him angry oh uh John break. Break. i was well i mean like screaming angry. point break is where i've seen him like really angry. yeah he gets angry there he shoots into the sky yeah. um uh, john wick he has that tirade in the first movie where he's very similar to knock knock he's also strapped to a chair and he you know has a verbal tirade where he gets pretty enraged knock knock has like a three to five minute scene of just the camera fixed on his face and him screaming Ooh. at two young hot south american women <laughs> Jeez. one of which oh, is, one s- of which is eli roth's wife gotcha uh maybe ex- for ex-wife she was a bombshell yeah. um but yeah knock knock also has like this weird dark humor that just kind of pop comes and goes and it leads to a really wildly inconsistent tone. And the Green Inferno had that in spades. See, I think that he's doing a reverse Todd Phillips. I think I mean I think that Hostel is solid. I think that that holds up. I think it's a pretty decent movie. It's it's good. It's like, good. It, it, I wouldn't call it a bad movie at no. all. And I think it, it's not too tortury. Like it, I mean, it, there's definitely torture in it, but it's not. It feels warranted. Yeah. Like, like the journey we take the characters through. It's like the math adds up yeah um but other than that everything else i've seen is just garbage um and now he did the house with the clock in the walls which i stand by to be his best film uh in a very watchable film uh even he i mean jack jack black is actually good in it like he's not like like jack black in it. <laughs> like it's it's actually an entertaining film and like todd phillips is like i feel like he's done the exact opposite I'm like he started out with these awesome comedies old school fucking uh wrote i think he did road trip as well yeah, he's in it. Uh, he did Road Trip. Uh, but then he did The Hangover, and that was like the decline. He did Hangover 2, Hangover 3. 
Joker. Um, I'm not going to voice my opinions here, but well, just give me a, a thumb to the side, thumb up or thumb down. He's kind of wiggling a, a um, side thumb. Yeah, it's going it's going back and back and forth. Um, <laughs> my thoughts on Joker. Gotcha. Uh, we didn't need it, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, we we're talking about Eli Roth. Uh, we should. Um, we should probably transition yeah, to the actual, actual fucking movie. <laughs> so this film, uh, just to give you a rundown of what the plot is, um, there's a group of Americans dubbed. This quote is quote unquote Americans. Quote unquote Americans. <laughs> this is a, a heavily dubbed film. Uh, quote unquote Americans that go to the Amazon. This was filmed in Colombia, by the way. Um, Thanks for actually checking that out. Yeah. I meant to, but I forgot to. Uh, film in Colombia, a little bit of Venezuela. There's a New York shot. I think there's one other place, but mostly in Colombia. Um, they go to the Amazon to document um, some kind of tribe that apparently has uh, formerly eaten. There's like a story that is tied to that um, a group of missionaries were eaten by them. And they're like, well, we're going to go check out this tribe anyway. Um, they go missing. So a professor uh, goes along with two guides to retrieve the footage and see if they've still made it um they have not and he retrieves the footage and now a group of people want to tell their story and their story isn't uh, their story's fabricated and we kind of see the struggle with uh the professor and these people trying to get this footage out but mostly we're just focusing on the footage yeah uh it has a very interesting narrative structure that's unique it's very Um, unique. i can't think of another movie structured in this way and and that's I'm not going to call it the charm, but like in terms of cinematic, like just technical, just sheer technical ability, yeah. the editing of this film was actually extremely well done. Honestly, if you take out, okay, just to give you like a heads up at the top here, um, this film, when it was released in Milan, I think yeah. is when it was released, uh, the director, 10 days after it was released, they had him arrested confiscated the film because they thought this was a legit snuff film they thought that this was a legit documentary about people dying uh it wasn't he actually paid i think he paid the actors to disappear for a year like he wanted like it was almost like a publicity stunt like he wanted it to feel real and i mean job well done job well done um yeah, if you don't know the history of this film, uh, there was a lot. It's very controversial film. I mean, we just told you. I just told you that. I mean, he was arrested, but uh, a lot of cruelty to animals. And not cruelty. I mean, there's a lot of on-screen killing of animals here. Yes. Um, um, this this film was banned in many countries. Many. Uh, for a very long time. Uh, may still be the case. In fact. I think um, it was banned in like Sweden until like the '90s. No, it may still be banned in yeah. many places. Um, oh, many that's places. actually kind of what led me to this movie. Like. There were a handful of websites I frequented like back in high school. Mm-hmm. There was Stomp Tokyo for like Japanese sci-fi reviews. There was badmovies.org for bad movie reviews. And then there was bloodydisgusting.com, uh, which still exists yeah. and is still very well trafficked. Uh, and uh, this movie had extensive reviews and like topics about it. And a large, re- a big part of the allure was the fact that it was banned. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same path I took to get to uh, Kinji Fuku. Fukusaku, I think, uh, Battle Royale. Mm. Um, have you heard of that? Uh-uh. Oh, Battle Royale? Yeah. I have heard of that, yes. Okay. Well, I, I bought like a bootleg copy of it when I was in high school, largely because I was like, why is this movie banned in so many places? And then I watched it, and I was like, I see why, but in terms of like what's actually in the film, it's all thematic. Like The thematic content is what makes it problematic. What's actually on the screen, it's 
it's not the worst shit in the world. It's just the fact that, yeah, these are kids killing each other. It's yeah. like, fuck, I, I read I read Lore of the Flies back in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Same shit, different day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Cannibal Holocaust was banned in many countries. Um, and I think both of us watched it via Shudder. Yes. Um, which the <laughs> disclaimer that plays at the very beginning of the of the movie of via Shudder was really humorous where it basically oh, says yeah. like there's some bad shit in this yeah we don't really care enjoy yeah <laughs> i was like yeah that's how you do it i guess uh, the animals weren't killed in america so there's nothing we can do about it mm-hmm. yeah. it's like if you got a problem with it we didn't make the movie you were the one who hit the play button have a nice day i feel like i have, <laughs> I have to bring up apocalypse now real quick uh sure. i think it's i think Makes it's sense. i think it's kind of relevant because apocalypse now was released in 1979 uh, this was mo- this was most likely filmed in 1979. So when it was released, this was they could have well, considering how long Apocalypse Now <laughs> took, uh, they might have been a little bit of co-current productions. But um, both Italian directors and both with um, on-screen killing of animals. Uh, b- I mean, both working with like local tribe, like a tribe. Uh, I wonder. I don't know what why it was happening at the same time. It's just weird, weird to me. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like they had messengers and stuff like. <laughs> I doubt Coppola cared at all about about the production of Cannibal Holocaust, no. but I wouldn't be surprised if you we know, know what the, fuck the highest profile Italian American director working at the time, maybe the Italian director making the trashy horror movie in the in the jungles of the Amazon is like, I wonder what Coppola's up to. Yeah, <laughs> it's like send a messenger boy over there to like spy on his production. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, Coppola is an American director, but with, of Italian descent. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, whenever you have a situation like that, I'm pretty sure they adopt them or it's like oh he's italian but he's hella italian it's like actually he's american no 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 not with a name like coppola, coppola <laughs> he's, no, he's one of us he uh, represents us <laughs> but i mean uh, we made the godfather <laughs> we as a people made the godfather <laughs> but apocalypse now was such a uh, troubled production it was so famous at the time it was actually getting a lot like it was actually getting press uh this i think I feel like this was pretty quick filming like this i don't think this took very long uh based on the way this movie was shot I don't imagine they did multiple takes for many of no. these sequences. No. Many of these sequences are very long, too, mm-hmm. with not many cuts. So, uh, yeah, I would... Also, it's a trashy Italian horror movie. I'm yeah. pretty sure they got to do it fast and quick. Quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the, the filming in this kind of reminds me of uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God. You've told me about that many times. Which one is that? That's the uh, Werner Herzog, Klaus Kinski, where uh, it's supposed to be conquistadors trying to find El Dorado. Uh, the, literally, the movie is just them walking. Like it's it's not an exciting film, but the way it's shot feels like almost you, it could be the same film. Like the way is it, it very voyeuristic? Yeah, like, Vo- verite as the kids voyeuristic. Like to say. We do a lot of like <laughs> just kind of close ups on people where we're just kind of pan like kind of dipping up and down around Klaus Kinski because he has a weird face that's more or less the appeal of the movie. Well, is it like a journey into hell kind of story? Yeah, it's a journey that, into that, hell. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Apocalypse Now kind of shares that too. Where it's yeah. like the when we arrive at Kurtz's, Kurtz, Kurtz. Kurtz's compound, it's it's very like, yep, we've arrived at the pits of hell. Also, um, it's not a terribly good movie. Well, um, Hamburger Hill. Oh. Um, it's unfortunate because like it tells a very good story. It doesn't do it in the most effective way, but they do some cool stuff with the cinematography because the whole movie is about the taking of a pointless hill mm. in the Vietnam War, and the way they shoot it, they make the hill just look like this insurmountable thing. It's just like the, if I remember right, like almost every shot during the hill hill attack sequences is shot like 
looking upward, so you almost never get a shot looking down. And so by the time you reach the end of the movie, there's this shot looking down from the hill, and you finally see it, and it's like not very impressive. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just a mound of dirt. It's it's a conscious decision on the part of the cinematographer and the director that was very intelligent, very very effective in an otherwise not very great movie. <laughs> but yeah, the cinematography in this movie and obviously Apocalypse Now, it's like it tells a story unto itself. The difference is the cameras that Coppola had were much better and the one that Herzog and this director used are very similar where it's they're not it's not great equipment. 16 millimeter, mostly handheld, not even yeah. with a steady cam. Yeah, like that's it, what a gear but is. That's the intention. Yeah. Because it's meant to look it's meant to look like found footage. See the the thing with the gear is it's not supposed to it's supposed so to So it be, just looks like shit. It just looks like shit, yeah. Uh that's why it took me so long to watch it because I watched the preview for it and I'm like, oh, gosh. It's like, you don't understand Klaus. <laughs> I want I want this movie to look like it's absolute garbage. Garbage. It's intentional. Wonder what's you are human garbage. <laughs> I wonder that's why he's done so many documentaries. Like I'm like Herzog's filmography is mostly documentaries. If you take a look at it, yeah, huh? Maybe he likes that style, the like fly on the wall kind of look to it, where it's like, well, then again, though, you said the the angles in a mm-hmm. are like very intimate. Yeah, so he's like, I, I want to be in the action. I want to be in the pits of hell no with one, you. It's where I belong. That, no wonder <laughs> they had such a troubled relationship because Klaus Kinsey's like, I just want to, I want to make a, how do you do, how do you not? I don't know what Klaus uh, sounds he, like. He sounds exactly like you'd think. It was a German. He's got those lips. Oh. He's got those big flabby lips. He was troll man. <laughs> I still think he might have been a Nazi. Um, anyway, so. <laughs> a secret Nazi. <laughs> he was a secret Nazi. He had a rage. Um, so yeah, the uh, the we kind of just start off in New York. They're like, "Hey, I got you. Got to go find these guys." And you know, gets over to the yeah. Uh, Professor Monroe serves Monroe. as our protagonist basically throughout the entire movie. Actually, yeah. he's one of the few likable people. He was also yeah. He's very he's affable. Uh, he's actually a he actually did porn. He was a he was a porn actor, and this was him trying to get into legit film. He got that stash. He got the stash. Oh, he <laughs> looks like a seventies boy. No, he's got the perm. He got the stash. Like he is ready to go, uh, and he does get naked. He has an awesome guide named Chaco. Chaco. This guy is the <laughs> highlight of the film, and I wish he was in. Like, I wish he was in it throughout. Uh, he has a very stereotypical. I don't know if he's the one dubbing it. Like later, but he has a very stereotypical uh, Mexican yeah. accent. It's like, are you sure you're from he, South America? Like, I think he's supposed to be South American, but whoever's doing the dub on this is doing solid. But the guy still has press. Like he does have like good screen presence. Yeah, if you look really deep into the credits, you'll find Cheech Marin. Uh, <laughs> he, seriously, uh, he. But uh, I've. I swear to God, I looked at the rest. He's done quite a few things. He's in another fairly popular movie he's he's i think he's still alive as well i'm like i swear to god i've seen him in something but i don't think i have uh, he has physical presence i don't know if that's much. his voice but Choc- yeah chaco definitely stands out i liked him he was fun so uh what we learn i'll just we'll kind of i'll tell about the tribes real quick we haven't been introduced to the tribes just yet but we have three main tribes and they're all cannibals yeah uh we have the yakumo tribe which is the main tribe uh that we're that we're dealing with in the beginning and then we have um the Yanomamo 
mm-hmm. Yanomamo, the tree, uh, the tree people, and the Shamatari, which are the swamp people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather mispronounce the tribe name than to call them <laughs> by what their translation is. Uh, well, just, I mean, I'm sorry. I can't think of swamp people without thinking about that galligator hunting show that my parents are obsessed yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> shoot the gator, Liz. Shoot the gator. <laughs> shoot the gator. Shoot, shoot the gator, Liz. <laughs> The alligator didn't get that big one because it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, the man. Yanomamo and the Shamatari and the Yakumo. Uh, so we... You need to pause before you say everyone. It's for reverence, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, So the guide takes them. Uh, the, it takes them a little bit to get over there. Um, we have uh, a jungle corpse we find. He's like, this was... He's like, I know this guide. Uh, he's a better guide than I am. I don't know how he died. Uh, when I first saw the corpse... Uh, I mostly want to talk with this film about the practical effects because it's the only thing that I think is just knocked out of the park like it really is good um not the actual deaths in the film uh the animal deaths but uh this this first one I'm like this isn't this is okay this isn't this isn't very great yeah this isn't to, very great. to fill in a couple of the blanks um the the actual setup for the movie um first shots are just yeah. like helicopter footage of the amazon but the actual setup for the movie is a news report mm-hmm. uh in new york and it's a it's a fellow talking direct to camera. He's doing like a, a news piece about a documentary crew that he he's aware of the fact that the documentary crew went missing and we're actively working to recover the footage. So he's basically laying the groundwork yeah. f- for future news reports to come. Um, so he's hyping up the the Western world that's like, oh, we have this amazing footage and amazing story about this documentary crew that got lost in the Amazon looking for this cannibal tribe. Um, so right off, right off the bat, we have a situation where we have a studio basically working from the premise that's like, we need some footage because we just told everyone we have some footage. Um, so this is why Professor Monroe is conscripted to acquire this stuff and, and come back with a story because we have a hungry audience waiting for this shit. Um, but yeah, the some of the first deaths in this movie, is there's actually kind of a like an almost out of context sequence where there's some soldiers fighting the Yakumo. Like they're running uh, yeah. around like spraying with Uzis and you can tell these aren't like professional soldiers. Like we've come a long way with how the military is portrayed in movies. Oh yeah. It's actually kind of obnoxious. I've, I've gone on tirades about this before and it's like you look at Lethal Weapon for instance. Mm. The way the way Mel Gibson handles his pistol and even more so Danny Glover the way he handles his revolver um they're handling their instruments, their tools, like actors. Mm. They're doing actor shit with their guns. Um, you don't do that anymore in movies because now there are on-set advisors who say, uh-uh-uh, no. that's not how you do that. That's not how you hold a pistol. Case in point, Tom Cruise collateral. Yeah, that's how you handle a pistol. Yeah. And like even the John Wick movies, it's like, yeah, there is a fantastical oh. element to the way he does things. Like, I don't think Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the first thing that most people wielding a pistol no. think to do. But like his stance and the way he he has two hands on it all the time, like in the way he reloads constantly, it's you can tell there's someone on set saying this is how you do things. You know who didn't do that was fucking George Lucas on the set of uh, Episode Four. Did you see Han Solo when he's he he does like a yeah he's he, almost like he's wielding a sword like, he's, like I said he's doing actor oh shit. Oh my gosh, it's a I, every time I watch it I always I'm like here it is here it is. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's like flailing with the yeah, gun. It's you, the you can't see it, shit. but yeah, Kyle looks like a fencer. Yeah, like with an epee or a rapier or something, like whipping his pistol forward, like he's trying to fend off a lion or something. Back! I love back! When, <laughs> I love when he goes screaming. Ah! Ah! Is maybe the best scene in that whole movie. It might be. It's, he he shoots the one guy, and without thinking, he just bum rushes awesome. him. He chases him, and he yells backwards like, "Go!" Go! I love that because that like sums up the character. Like a hundred percent. Like yeah. he he he's on a hair trigger. He just does things. Yeah. He didn't think it through. That's great. Stuff. It worked for a minute, but then it stopped working. And you know what? When he rounds the corner, and the ah, that's the that's the best scream. Yeah. <laughs> it does not. It, it's it's one of the funniest things ever. Oh, it's great. That's actually one of the few things the special edition maybe enhances a little. Oh, really? They added more stormtroopers. So when oh. he rounds the corner, it's like a wall of people. That's awesome. It it makes it a little better. It I makes might, it more comical. I've been due for due for a rewatch. I might end up watching oh, it here But the, the best example of acting with pistols I can think of is Antonio Banderas oh, in Desperado. Desperado. Whip, 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 whip. But he makes it look sexy, though, doesn't he? He looks like he's playing tennis. Oh, does it? With two oh. pistols at the same time. He's like, whack. Robert Rodriguez? Robert, Robert Rodriguez? Absolutely. Okay. I wasn't um, sure. But yeah, the, the point I'm trying to make here yeah. is these guys are just kind of traipsing through the jungle. They've got their, their camouflage on. Uh, and they're like just like doing a Al Capone shit with the Tommy gun, but with an Uzi instead. They're shooting tribesmen. And the funny part is the fact that this movie is intensely violent. Yes. And has a lot of love and detail put into the portrayal of said violence. But the first instance of someone being shot in this movie, not a squib, not not, not even like squibs in the water. Yeah. The guy's by the river. We shoot at him, and he just like flops. Well, and it's like, okay. And then the follow-up, though, two seconds later, is a guy's fucking face getting blown up. <laughs> like, exploded. Well, the, the horror movie rules, the first kill can never be the like the most gruesome. Like, you kind of have to ease us into it. Like, you don't want to... You don't want to give away the. Well, I mean, Jaws. You you yeah. you don't see anything, but the horror is there. Um, but at some point, you need to step it up and like have that that one explosive kill that's like, oh no. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say that that kind the of... Green Inferno actually did that. Oh. Where, like the first member of the core group of characters is the most it is the most movie. the most violent sequence in the whole movie one of the that's one of the reasons why the movie sucks is because you do don't save that for a later part yeah like the kids would say they blew their wad too early yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I forgot about that i want to mention that one of the things that stood out to me when i was watching this is like the director is trying to say something and the best i could come up with was because this is kind of a critique of more or less capitalism. I think there's a little bit of the Vietnam War, which was very prevalent at the time. Um, I like thinking back now. I'm like, I think that's kind of what he was getting at with this. Well, um, it's a lot of it. I think has to do with uh, the nature of the nature of documenting and op- observing. It's and it, it's very difficult, especially in 1980, to observe anything without potentially changing it. Mm-hmm. And what we have here is a situation that later on in the film we learned that the people that were there to document and observe were inserting themselves into the narrative for the purpose of creating one sensationalism is a huge huge thing Um, huge theme yeah part of the trivia i read about this movie was that that was something that the director noted is that that was his mindset coming into it was that he was watching the news at the time and he 
like him as a film director was looking at the footage and saying i think they chose these angles consciously to heighten things to to enhance the drama because at the end of the day especially nowadays like getting eyeballs on your product is is your key goal that's what you're trying to do you're trying to get people to consume your product and if your product is the news and it's boring then you're gonna lose your audience i think this now that i think about it I think it's exactly what he's going for. This is, uh, he's criticizing the Vietnam War because at the end, at the very end, we'll get to it, but uh, he's basically just saying, yeah, you're just a bunch of capitalist pigs and who are the real cannibals? Uh, Coppola, do you remember that scene in Apocalypse Now where Coppola, when, um, oh, what's his face? Marty Sheen gets uh, right keep in there. Running, just keep, keep running. running. Just, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. That, that was brilliant. Yeah. Like, that was something that had to be in that movie. Yeah. Like, that was a really brilliant decision because that's actually what was happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember talking to my parents and like, I guess the Vietnam War, like the news coverage was unlike anything before its time where it's like, no. there was a, a layer of reality to it that kind of gave way to the public backlash because yeah. it was, it was too much. It was too much. And they were also lying about what was happening. Yeah. Before that, we had newsreels and stuff that kind of put a positive spin on things mm. where it's like, oh boys are taking the beach day. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no problems here. <laughs> no casualties whatsoever. It's like, never mind that dead body over there. That's just a... Uh... We're doing phenomenal in the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrific. I love, doing, I love it out we're, here. We're doing a great job. Like, um, I have so many socks. I'm, I'm just, I got oodles of socks. Forrest Gump has won the war. <laughs> <laughs> um, Professor Monroe arrives. Uh, he meets up with his guy Chaco, star of the film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're they're doing some they're doing some guiding. He's like, listen, we got to go to these this tribe. It's gonna be a little bit different. Get your gun ready. Um, we might have to pop a few people. Uh, we get a very. I don't want to discuss it at all, but there's a very very graphic uncomfortable rape slash murder scene uh this was actually uh one of the women working on the production i think this was an italian lady uh, i think she was in the costume department but they couldn't get one of the tribes women to do this so it's really strange um, um i noticed you that's what i'm saying you sh it's strange because you notice that this is not a native yeah no she, she her facial features like it kind of gives it away she even looks like she has lighter hair than everyone else Every, like all the tribes people have black hair basically but i thought that that was going to be one of the documentary crew that they were failing to save because exactly. she was covered in mud yeah. where it's like oh they could have saved her and then they they'll learn at the end of the movie that's like oh my god we let that happen pigs damn it that's exact that's why we keep seeing i'm like why do we keep seeing people rolling around in mud uh, fucking capitalist pigs pigs in mud <laughs> Damn, this movie's got layers. <laughs> but yeah, it's really it's it's strange because you think that it's one of the people, so that's why I was confused. And yeah. I think that was a bad that was a that was a poor move for continuity. I think that they should have done something different. They should have just done something different. It's supposed to be some kind of ceremonial. Yeah, um, the lead up to that sequence, we kind of like build up to it a little bit, where we're traipsing through the jungle, and then. Like, we see a lot of animals, a lot of monkeys, and a jaguar that Chaco shoots at because yeah. Chaco's got a temper. <laughs> He's a loose cannon. Um, and then we get a sequence where they, Chaco accidentally, like, happens upon a corpse. Yeah. And he explains that, oh, this was one of the other guides who came through here. So this is kind of setting the tone that's like, oh, 
We're going uh, into dangerous areas. Yes. Uh, intruders I'm, on this territory don't usually end up in a good way. I forgot. We have one of the villagers. They have, yes. they have, they have one of the prisoners. And we also have Miguel. Yes. Uh, who we will see all of. All of. Yes. <laughs> there is a lot of full frontal male nudity yeah, in this Mi- Miguel is a boss. He yeah. is perfectly at peace with him as a, himself as a person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that sequence in the mud is rough. Yeah. It's... Um, it, they're... There are several stanzas to it. Uh, it goes on for several minutes, and it kind of establishes a tone mm-hmm. where it's like, this is how you as the viewer need to be conditioned to handle the rest of this movie. Because yes. this is how the bad things that happen in this movie are going to be presented to you. Uh, from a very voyeuristic angle, uh, it's shot pretty much from perspective, a lot of it. Um, and Chaco urges Monroe to like don't interfere yeah this is this part is, of this is part of their business uh, I think she was an adulterer and mm. this is what happens to people who do this like this is how they do things so um as as an observer as a professor of anthropology or whatever like this is this is how you have to do things yeah. like and especially if you're doing like a nature documentary or something you don't stop the wolf from killing the lamb or whatever it's yeah. like no but that's the natural world. We we should. I want to specify that these were real tribes that that are acting this film, and this is not indicative of any way that they be, behave. Um, this is they are not cannibals. They are they're, <laughs> they're real, just fishing tribes. Like they're they're just cool people, dude. They just they hang out. So they don't eat people, and I don't think that this is representative of their culture. I either. don't think so. But so yeah, I, I want to make that clear. They. they uh, it involves the use of tools. It's bad. And yeah, it's, it, bad. it's really brutally violent. And it ends with her being kicked out in a boat into the middle of a lake or something. And Chaco shooting in the air and scaring off the fellow. who He isn't even that scared. He's just kind of confused. So, Chaco's fucking hilarious. Uh, he, <laughs> so there's the jungle corpse. We end up killing and eating a muskrat. Uh, I'm on out, camera. On camera. It, it's an adorable muskrat. I was really upset by this. Uh, apparently, the tribes people ate m- most to all the animals that they killed. Uh, allegedly, <laughs> they might have been like, "Oh yeah, yeah no, they ate them. It's fine." Yeah. But I mean, I've eaten turtle. I'm I wouldn't be opposed to eating muskrat. I mean, people eat guinea pig. I mean, I'm sure they ate it. I I believe that. Um, but Chaco's doing some blow. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. I love it. He's just like, oh yeah, it's, we got to give it to the tribes guy. It'll make him. It's gonna put him in a good mood, give him energy, and he's gonna take us where we're going. I'm gonna do a bump while we're at it. <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah, Chuck, casual cocaine with Chaco. Oh, he smokes some weed later. He's yes, insane. He he's very like apparently he's very comfortable. Like he, this is just eh normal. Just gotta go meet this tribe. Not a big deal. Cannibals. Um, so when they're actually headed to the village, there's a naked communication scene with yes. uh, Miguel. Uh, he just strips down and he takes. He, they have this guy on a leash, by the way, which I'm not. I'm ne- I never like to see that in films. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a good look. Do it around the wrists. Do it around the hands. Something like that. We don't need to do it around the neck. Yeah, it, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's very dehumanizing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's this. Weird thing where the the tribesmen see him and they shoot little darts around his feet. Yeah, they have blowguns. Yeah, uh, blow. which at the beginning of the movie they killed one of the soldiers with. Yeah, uh, they're poison darts. Yeah, and they're shooting them at him in volleys. Um, but yeah, they're landing at his feet, and it's like, you know, as a custom, that's not exactly the smartest. Because no. what if one of you botches it and you hit him? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like that, that's kind of it for him. Yeah, it's like well, I just meant to say hello. I'm sorry, but yeah, it has. 
I mean, it's apparently a custom of some sort. He strips naked, he waves a machete around, uh, he yells some shit at them, and then they run off. And Professor Monroe's like, what the fuck did we do that for? (laughs) And it's like, I didn't need to see Miguel's piece. What the fuck? And Chaco lets us know that it's like, no, 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 they want us to follow. Yeah. Like, they, they appreciate the gesture and they want us to follow. Them. I guess it's vul- like you're showing your vulnerability. Yeah, like... it's probably something like that. Where, yeah. Although waving a machete around is not exactly on the same line of thinking. No. <laughs> Usually uh... you, you do things like that to show that I have no arms on me. Like, I have no weapons. Like, I, I'm not hiding anything. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the uh, So we, we meet the chief. Uh, we get we come into the village. Um, nobody's wearing clothes, uh, and the, uh, we meet the chief. And this is where I was like, okay, this is this is pretty good. The chief is communicating with him that you're saying like you could tell something bad has happened. Yeah, he's he's doing like a pantomime. Yeah. So he's just kind of howling and making distressed noises. It doesn't sound like a, a ver- verbal language, but he's just kind of like. Oh! <laughs> men, men have 22 pantomimes women have 27 pantomimes but men have 10 <laughs> but yeah he's like gesturing around he's flopping around on the ground and you can see that there's like some stuff was burned one of the villagers has a hole in his thigh Chaco points gunshot, out obviously. Chaco points out that's a gunshot yeah uh, and I think he whispers to Monroe, like, you better hope he doesn't die while we're here. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, thanks, Chaco. I'll, I'll make a note of that. Um, so, yeah, we, we learned a little bit about the tribe. They're a tribe of cannibals, and they're in constant um, constant battles with the opposing tribes, the uh, Yanamomo, ya, Yanamamo and the Shamatari. Um, you need to pause before you start. Sorry. Just for yeah. reverence, you know, just to pay tribute. I want to say it Japanese. I don't know why it sounds like it would be Japanese. That's what I do with every every Spanish word. I, I just say it like a Japanese person, and it usually works. It I'm sounds not, silly. I'm not gonna do that. Shamatari. Uh, Shamatari. <laughs> Yanomamu. It just sounds. It sounds. It sounds <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> okay, so there's this comedian I like, uh, Tom Segura. His last uh, his last name is Segura, and he's um, he's like, are you Japanese? They always ask, him, are you Japanese? He's like, no. And he's God, like, no. Segura. Segura. <laughs> Tomi like, Segura. You say like, you're just saying it with a Japanese accent. <laughs> an offensive Japanese you are accent. choosing to do that. Um, so yeah, apparently like, do you want me to be? Do you want me to be Japanese? <laughs> um, the uh, so the three tribes hunt and eat each other, apparently. Yeah, uh, the the Yanomamo and the Shamatari are apparently superpowers as Monroe describes them. So they're they're the bosses, but they're in constant conflict. And I guess the Yakumo are just kinda on the shit end of the stick. Yeah. <laughs> Which sucks. So yeah, they're they're kind of just kinda of hanging out for a little bit. Uh they about, eat some slop. They eat some slop. It's called Isomo apparently. Oh it's yes, just, yes, it's just like white goo. I looked it up, I couldn't find it. Uh I couldn't find out exactly what it was. Chaco's smoking some weed. Yeah. <laughs> he's the bravest man in cinema history. That's fucking insane. Well well I mean what was it? Like uh I mean vet are like uh Guys in Nam were smoking weed over there. I'm like, that's not a place I'd want to be smoking weed. And like, that, that seems very stressful. Yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine it depends on what strain you're using. But you know, people are shooting at you. You you want to be. I want to be alert. Yeah, I want I want to be alert. I don't want to be paranoid or sleepy. No. <laughs> Either of those things is probably bad. No. Uh, so the. The Shamatari, they get some people. Um, they end up, they end up meddling in this battle a little bit. They do, and it was really strange actually, because I thought it was going to be the same situation as with the 
a adulterer punishment with the lady in the mud. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, oh, okay, we're not going to interfere. We're just going to let this battle play out, and, you know, whoever wins, wins, and whatever happens, happens. But no, Chocolate just, like, without even getting the okay from Monroe, he's just like... Yeah. <laughs> and he shoots one of the Shamatari in the back. Yeah. And I guess the idea here is they're trying to buddy up with the Anomamo uh, because they want information. Yeah. So they need to side with one of them so they can start talking to him. And, you know... Using your quote-unquote fire stick to down one of these chamatari is probably a good way to do that. And they do get invited into the village, um, although apparently they don't trust them 100%, which makes sense. I would say, <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, fuck that. Um, so the, the animal also, almost... The, uh, the opening of this battle is pretty awesome. Mm. Where, um, the chamatari, like, they stoke a fire underneath the trees because the... Yanomamo or the tree people. Yeah. And this poor lady just like falls out of the tree. Yeah. And it's like, I was oh. like what the hell happened? And yeah. then they just cart her off. It's like, fuck, that's, I mean, that's effective. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> like, just literally just smoke, smoke them out. <laughs> um, yeah. The, then there's this, uh, like, he, uh, Professor Monroe's like keeping, uh, he's got like a little voice recorder as he's like going through. The main thing is he's trying to get the footage. I feel like he's more concerned about the footage than the people. I think they're like, at this point, they're gone. Yeah, his... I don't know if it's an issue with his acting or the script, but he's not terribly distressed for no. the most part. He's, he's, I think it's after. Uh, it's probably the acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, this man acts with his cock. Yeah, I was going to say, he is a cock actor. <laughs> he's a cock actor and a perm actor, yeah. not, a, not a talky-talk actor. No, he's not a talky-talk actor. <laughs> uh, he would do not so well in a Tarantino film. Um, um, but yeah, the chief gives him a watch. Um, yeah. Which kind of gets him thinking, like, hmm, maybe yeah. we should stick around. We're going to stick around. Uh, yeah. He goes, he goes, does he go, he goes to bathe himself first and then the ladies come? Yeah, this is nice. These are actually all, these were all women that worked at a brothel. These are not the actual tribes women. Um, yeah, he gets a little skinny dip. They, they, Pull on his PP uh, for a sec. This is where you get the groovy music. The, the this is where the theme music, the opening title music, comes back. Mm. It is a lovely piece of music. Mm. Um, apparently, it was well liked to the extent that they put lyrics to it and like actually put it on an album at some point. Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. I really love this opening theme, and it's really nagging at me that I can't remember where I first heard it. Maybe I watched the opening of this movie like. I could totally see myself like acquiring a copy of this like when I was in college or something and not finishing it. Maybe just like watching the opening minutes of it and being like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> like, but it's really bothering me. Um, but yeah, the, the reprise of the title theme happens when they're all naked and they're in the river. Um, and then we find like a shrine of yeah. skeletons. Uh, shrine of skeletons. I think there's might be some some uh, some canisters. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the first things that... Uh, the professor notes when they, so. when they come to the Yakumo village is one of the girls has a necklace made of one of the film yeah. canisters and Chaco tells him like don't draw attention don't, to don't, it. don't talk about that <laughs> like, also don't forget that guy has a hole in his leg that may have come from a white person so so he after he's he's done he's done bathing um i my note is maybe don't piss off the tribe cannibals professor monroe he's getting very agitated he starts shooting a gun i'm like are you out of your fucking mind you don't have a lot of ammo these people eat people you're dicking around but he pulls out a, a recorder so what happens here? I don't understand what he's doing. So he has a cassette player. Yeah. And I guess he switched tapes or something because he has some sort of tribal music. I yeah. don't know what what don't, tribe. Yeah, we're not but shown. It has like it sounds like traditional like tribal music with like chants and drums yeah. that he plays through his cassette player. 
and everybody they don't react to the gunshots surprisingly um but when the music starts playing everybody comes down from the trees and they got all excited and uh chaco points out that's like they want us to have dinner with them do you know what that means yeah and we actually have a shamatari come down from the trees like on a rope like on a pulley basically Mm -hmm. not a pulley but (laughs) like actually i'm sure it was a pulley but (laughs) um but yeah uh the idea these guys are not insured (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry it was a rope (laughs) the idea here is yes uh they're impressed with his his magical music box to the point that they want him to dine with them so they want him to eat some of the shamatari that they captured yeah um, and he does. Yeah. Uh, they they cook the shamatari guy. They carve up the viscera and they hand it to him. And Monroe takes a deep breath and takes a big old bite out of what looks like a liver. Yeah, that uh, that fragile little vegan Leo had to bite a liver on the set of uh, the Revenant. That was a huge deal. I'm like, that's the huge deal. How about him getting into fucking freezing water? That's a huge deal. That's uh, a huge deal. That's a huge deal. <laughs> um, I was gonna. I was gonna ask him. Like the question always comes up. Like, hey, would you? Uh, would you eat? Would you eat a person? Like, if you were like in another country, would you like? Would you eat a person? And this is one of those times. Where I'm like, in this situation, yes. More than likely, yes. Yes. If you're surrounded by hostile people who don't necessarily trust you. Yeah. And you know, have demonstrated that they're openly willing yeah. and able to kill people. I'm hip, to eat dude. them. I'm hip. I'm cool. It's like, sure, I'll eat a cooked liver. <laughs> but if I'm in like a from a yeah from a random tribesman I don't know. If I'm in a restaurant, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> different. My life's on the line. Yeah, yeah. We'll if you don't that. have a choice, that that kind of narrows it down. But so yeah, the, he hands them the cassette player, and in return, he recovers the film canisters. Yeah. So um, and everything kind of gets resolved off screen. We go back to New York, which is shocking. This is not exa- it is not at all how I thought that was going to happen. That's kind of like secret brilliance of the movie though yeah. is that we get out of the jungle real quick but then we get right back into it via the editing bay this movie is literally cannibal holocaust this is not what you think it is and it's so much worse than you thought it was going to be <laughs> like literally because <laughs> uh, we've i mean we've i've kind of glossed over uh oh no it's it's coming up sorry um, I mean, we did gloss over a couple of rapes and a couple of yeah, murders. Yeah, we're, we don't need to make we, note of every single no, instance we don't. of violence in the movie because there's a lot of it. But yeah, the, the, that battle between the Shamatari and the Yamamamo so involves some other nastiness, too. They bring back this footage, and I want to talk about the documentary footage that we have on here. So um, I'm getting conflicting, uh, conflicting information about this documentary footage that we see. Uh, we get the footage of the group that went missing, but it's of a complete—it's completely different footage, not of this tribe. It's um, supposed to be um, African, um, like genocide. Genocide. Um, it looks legit. I think it is. So I, I'm like, I think this is legit, and I looked it up, and I'm like, yeah, it was actual footage. But then I also read that the director looked at a lot of actual footage and recreated these scenes. Um, and considering how good the rest of the film is, I'm like, I could believe either way. I'm like, yeah, these look legit, and he might have made, like actually just staged them. But also, this might have been legit footage, but I'm not positive. Yeah, to put it in context, um, we're back in New York. Uh, Professor Monroe does like a high-profile interview at a studio, like a TV studio in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, hype, again, hyping up this cannibal story that the that the new yeah the news reporter had introduced to us the audience at the very beginning of the movie and then the studio calls in monroe because they want him to assist in the assemble assemblage of the cut uh, so they take all the footage that he recovered and we're in the editing bay 
um, it's kind of this is kind of cool because mm. we, we the audience are watching the the quote-unquote movie because a lot of it is portrayed as just raw footage yeah um along with the characters in the movie because uh, we're just watching it through an editing terminal but uh they want monroe to host the upcoming story um but yeah the 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 footage that you're talking about is from something called the last road to hell i don't know if that's an actual film i think it might be um but it's in the context of Cannibal Holocaust, uh, one of the studio executives, this lady, I, I don't think I ever caught her name, <clears throat> um, she introduces the footage as uh, one of the documentary crew's previous films. Yeah. So she's like, this is what these guys used to make, so maybe we should assemble this, this film uh, in a similar vein to what they used to do. So, yeah, we're, we're in, the, in the editing bay. We're looking through this footage. So at this point, we're under the assumption that the crew have been victims to this tribe. Yes. Or, or a tribe. Yeah, they're, they're portrayed in like a, as like victims, basically. Yes. yes. Um, put a pin in that. Put a pin in that, <laughs> because the movie is about to change. Yeah, it. it's about to pivot very hard. Um, but the, the last road to hell footage that you, you brought up about the stuff in some country in Africa. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure which. Uh, involves like people being strung up and shot, and yeah. and then there's like a random insert of some people that definitely look Southeast Asian, and then one of them gets shot, mm. and I think that's. I I know where you're coming from because I I looked into this a little bit, and I I don't know if the actual killings ended up in the finished product, but it definitely looks genuine. It looks it looks genuine. Um... And I don't know when he would have had time to go do this. That's the other thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he had a lot of time and money to work with. No, I don't um, think he skipped countries. To, and you know. from what little I know about this gentleman, it uh, needs to be said, I have seen two of this guy's other movies. Mm. Um, Raiders of Atlantis at, or slash Atlantis Interceptors. Um, either awesome disco theme song, by the way. Mm. Sung in English by Italian people who... It's definitely their second language. <laughs> um, that movie's terrible. It's just, it's just a, it's just like Mad Max, except for the continent of Atlantis rises from the ocean and Mad Max people happen to live there, complete with motorcycles. Of course. Uh, and then the Barbarians, starring the Barbarian Brothers. It's just these two roided-out dudes with mullets that uh, run around and do Conan shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the special effects are terrible. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of sex and violence. The other one I've heard of his is Body Count. That one I have heard of. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the reason why I bring it up is that I don't know that this guy is actually a talented filmmaker. This may have just been, like, a one-and-done where, like, he just had one really interesting film in his filmography and the rest of it's just schlock. Yeah. Um, the one interesting one, of course, being Cannibal Holocaust, but... Um, yeah, when we're in the editing bay, uh, the editor, uh, the guy who's screening the footage for this studio executive and Professor Monroe, he throws it out there right away as soon as we start watching the, the recovered footage. Uh, pretty much, he did, a, <laughs> he did a very good job of stringing, stringing all the footage together in a rough cut, which he does, discla disclaimer, he does say, like, this is a rough cut. Mm -hmm. uh, so any, any hiccups in the footage, are, it's because I'm not done. <laughs> Um, but he did a really good job of stringing together things in chronological order, mm. um, which I would imagine would be really hard to do. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, th that's a little weird weirdness in the film. But uh, he explains that the crew, the documentary crew, were all prima donnas, but they were very good at their jobs. Very good at their jobs. Um, what, the, what that job entails, 
uh, we'll, yeah. we'll find out in a minute here. But uh, yeah, I like that. I like the editor's commentary because a lot of times we're just watching the footage exactly as the characters are watching it. It's just playing through the editing terminal, and we're just watching it. And he actually throws it out there right away that, oh, by the way, I put music over some of the sequences. To, I think juice it up is the phrase. <laughs> to juice it up, <laughs> juice um, this baby up a little bit. But yeah, he like he's apologetic about like the quality of the footage and like some of the flaws in the shots. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like something a, a technically minded like film professional would would be concerned with yeah. when when watching footage of murders and rapes. <laughs> I think that most film directors would be would say that. Like, you think that like Spielberg has like. Man, I mean, Schindler's List is great. There's a few shots in here that just, you know, aren't that good. I'm like, no, 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 it's a flawless film, sir. You don't, don't try to undersell it. It's it's flawless. I actually heard that on a podcast the other day that it got me thinking. Um, basically, like, the concept of, like, approaching a film director or film professional and, like, coming at them from the perspective of, of a fan and gushing at them about, like, oh, like, how was Schindler's List? Like, oh, like, what was the set of Jurassic Park like? So you need to be very careful about that because you don't know how that person feels about that product. Yeah. Because they made it and they went through some shit went through some shit to get it done. And more than likely, they're not as positive about it as you are. Yeah. Uh, there may there may be some elements to it that's like, I don't want to talk about that. Don't don't ask P- Steven Spielberg if I mean none of you anybody listening is not talking to him <laughs> if you ever bump into him don't ask him about schindler's list it yeah. was one of the most it was one of the most difficult films for him to to shoot because it was very emotionally tolling i mean unless you want to console a, a old bearded man and like give a there there to mr steven spielberg upon first meeting him <laughs> it's like he's... tell him jurassic park was awesome <laughs> yeah or, I mean, I loved you in Wall Street. It's yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite jokes in Hot Shots Part 2. Or tell them you really like the Polar Express. <laughs> oh, fuck. Wait, no, that was wait, Zemeckis. No, no, Zemeckis. Uh, what was the stupid one he did? Uh, Terminal. I'm sorry, Terminal. I'm sorry. You know, I actually didn't mind the Terminal. People funny. shit all over that movie. It I think just, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's not awful. I think it's fine. Did he do Hook? Uh, yes. I think he did Hook. Yeah. Tell me you like Hook. Yeah, I like Hook. Rufio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we get some of their footage, and they're kind of... I don't like these acts. I don't like the dubbing. Um, the, the the lady has it the worst, I think. Yeah. The, the dubbing is bad, but the way that they're acting is a little over the top um, as, it goes, as it moves forward. Yeah, as it goes forward, it's like, I don't... The performances have been arguably good at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you mean by over the top, where it's like... There's there's a, a barrier that they cross where it's like, how how did these four sociopaths find each other? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, well, three sociopaths and a sympathizer, more well, or less. I mean, kind of. Yeah, kind of comes in out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, she's like, well, here's where we gotta cross the line, yeah, guys. Yeah, that. I was yeah, like, lady. Yeah, I'm sorry, you've already crossed. This the line. is where we're crossing the line. <laughs> uh, I did like the the first shots we get of their footage. Um, to open the film, uh, when the news reporter's introducing the story, they actually do have some of the footage, and it's the uh, it's the film crew, the four folks um, at at the airplane, at the very beginning at the of the plane. film, yeah, yeah, and they're being interviewed by someone before they get on the plane to head off into the Amazon, and it's shot at a wide angle at distance, and the interviewer's talking to them, um, but the first of their footage we see is the same conversation, the yeah. same interview but from an intimate angle, obviously shot by one of the crew members holding yeah. the camera right up to everyone's faces. So it's like it's just an alternate angle of what we already saw. And I was like, oh, that 
that's kind of neat. And they're sprightly good move. We're going to go get this done. And they're, yeah. yeah. Then half of our folks get naked. Yeah, Imme- they're all... Immediately. <laughs> yeah, they're all naked. Um, <laughs> yeah. They all get naked. Um, they kind of get out into the... They start, you know, navigating through there. Um, my first... Uh, my doc footage of crew and professor. Yeah. Uh, so after after we get introduced to the footage of the documentary crew, we actually go back to New York. Yes. And Mon- Dr. Monroe... Uh, like I said, he's been enlisted by this uh, studio, this TV studio or whatever, to film supplementary footage. Mm-hmm. So they want him to go interview the families and friends of the people who went missing. Yeah. Um, so he does like a man on the street kind of thing. And we get like, it's not a montage, but it's just a series of very brief sequences where he approaches like family members of all the people who went missing and yeah. tries to get a little something out of all of them. And he gets very little. Some of, it, some no, of no, it's no, no. pretty funny, though. He does from the one lady. He's like, yeah, what did you say? Uh, they're in New York, like, on location in New York. Uh, what was she saying? What was the lady saying? She's like, uh, do you think I could get some bread out of this? <laughs> so she, I guess, was in a brief, like, fling with... I was going to say, you with, fuck real good or something like yeah, that? Yeah, in front of her son. <laughs> in front right of her kid. <laughs> um, and the last thing she says when she steps out of frame is like, hey, you think I could get some bread out of this? Basically, she wants to be compensated yeah. for the interview. Um, and then we talked to a nun. Um, she, apparently, she knew Faye, uh, the gal. The gal, uh, yeah. Who's apparently her real name is Tina, but she goes by Faye because she she's like a wannabe actress or yeah. something. And the nun doesn't tell us much, but she basically says Faye was very ambitious. Um, but the <laughs> the best one is Mr. Tommaso. Mr. Tommaso with his bag of shit, yeah. his his box of shit. I want to fucking talk about it. My son is no good. There's no. My go- son was a son of a bitch, and he was no good. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to you no more. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not talking no more. Yeah, he's just walking away. Yeah. It reminded me of I can't. What's what's that comedian's name? He's a short bald man. Uh, he's in Spider Man, and he's Ed- oh Ed Norton, uh, not Ed Norton. <laughs> Edward uh, Norton. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He stinks, and I don't Jim like Norton. him. Jim Norton. There Sorry, Jim yeah, Norton. Jim Norton. Yes. He stinks, and I don't like him. Very New York, yes. <laughs> I was like, that is perfect interview. <laughs> what uh, do you think about Spider-Man? He stinks, and I don't like him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, these I mean, these are legit. I don't think they're putting on accents. I think these are just, just legit people. New York I don't in the think 70s. Mr. Tommaso knew he was in a movie. <laughs> I don't think he did. <laughs> we just found a busy guy with a box of stuff, and they asked him about his son. <laughs> Say your son's a piece of shit. Well, that's not hard to do. Yeah. No, they probably didn't even set it up. They just, <laughs> just asked like, him about his son. <laughs> He's like, my son's no good. He's a well, son of a bitch. Well, it, this is where we're kind of getting an idea that these people, like, well, maybe they're there's more going on because, like I said, at this point, we think that they're just victims of these these villagers. And we're like, why are the people like saying bad things about him? I don't understand. Yeah, almost everything that's said is negative for the most part. And we we get to a sequence with a turtle. So they're the the group uh, have their own guide. I'm not sure what his name was. Yeah, um, uh, I wrote it down at some point, but yeah, he they do have a guide, yeah. and I think that's the guide that we found the body of. Uh, something Filippo was his last name, I think. So this this sequence, I think, is important to talk about. Um, yeah, it is. Because uh, this was... We have an on-screen, a very on-screen killing of a turtle. It's a big turtle, too. Um, yeah. I've actually... I've, I had to, I feel like I had to watch this because I've eaten turtle before. Um, so I'm like, I... I think I should probably... I'm like, I've eaten it. I'm going to have to watch how it dies. Like, I think that's... I think that's fair. 
there's a couple scenes I like. I'm not. Uh, there was one in particular I didn't watch. Um, but this one, it's it's very graphic. Um, and this was it, it was very hard for the actors apparently. Like this was one. A couple of them broke down crying after this one. Yeah, and we do key in on Faye, and she vomits yeah. while this is happening. But yeah, the the sea turtle. Um, I get the names of the characters mixed up. The, I know Faye, I know Jack, and I know Alan. Although I, I actually in my notes I got Alan confused. They're, Alan is the director. They're all shit heels. Um, there's a blonde guy with a stash. Yeah. Uh, who is irresponsible for most of the awful shit in the first half of the movie, but then all of a sudden it turns to Alan. Yeah. Uh, which got which is part of why I got their names confused because I thought Alan was supposed to be the main perpetrator of all the awful shit. Mm. Um, but yeah. They're in a muddy river, and they haul up this turtle, and then the footage granulates and gets all funky, and then all of a sudden the turtle's propped up on a log and heads off, yeah. and it's it's twitching. Uh, we open up the shell, and then it goes on. It's very similar to the sequence with the gal in the mud, mm-hmm. where it's several minutes of really get-under-your-skin kind of ominous music. Yeah. It's very synth-heavy. Uh, it's kind of cheesy in some ways but it gets under your skin it very much does. it's kind of funny because this this sound this style of music is kind of what i always think of when i think of scary movies because mm-hmm. that's that was the sound when i was young so like when i hear this music it kind of gets me some goosebumps yeah because it, it's cheesy like if you heard this this music out of context you'd think oh that sounds silly yeah uh, but then you see it with the footage yeah it's like oof this is rough this is rough but several minutes long and they're like they're they're playing with this thing's innards and yeah i can see why some of the some of the cast and crew reacted really strongly to this because it's one of the more infamous sequences in the whole movie yeah um Uh, and they end up eating it and yeah they cook it and they eat it and i I, also the blonde guy plays with the head yeah i that was yeah he treats it like a puppet in front of the camera we're kind of getting the sense that well one of them they're a little uncomfortable well, the, the girl's uncomfortable but we kind of get the sense that these guys are kind of not like not, not not all there like this there, there's the, a lack of empathy yeah there's a lack <laughs> of empathy i would be very uncomfortable at this point uh yeah you, i mean it's one thing to butcher an animal cook it and eat it but you don't have to play with no, the inside respect the animal um, I would say, like, I've, I've gone hunting with my, my, my uncle and dad and my grandpa. I mean, I've seen a, a deer killed and field-dressed. I mean, that in that moment, it's not... It, it's a little different, because you're... Like, nobody's like, oh, look at the dumb deer! Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, there's... You, there, there's a respect. Yeah, there's there's a, a layer of respect that I think is necessary to, to do those things. And there, my grandpa, when we would go hunting, he would shoot a deer, and he always told me, he's like, we wait, we were going to wait for about 10 or 15 minutes. And I never understood why. He's like, <laughs> we just, we wait for 10 or 15 minutes. And I realized, he's like, you're letting it die. Like, you're letting the, the animal die, giving it a minute to... Well, there's, I mean, there's also a reason that you use the equipment you use and you aim for the body parts that you do because you're trying to prevent suffering, prevent all the awfulness. You shoot behind the front shoulder blade, hit it in the heart. I mean, the the worst thing you can do is hit it in in the the wrong spot and then guess what? It's it's still faster than you and, you know, it's just going to die an awful infected death. It's awful. Um, Um, But yeah, uh, we we cook and eat it and... I was going to say... Fucking, he's like, are you hungry? I'm like, no, but I, I think I have to eat it. <laughs> Fuck, I'm very, un, I'm very un, uncomfortable right now, but yeah, I think I have to eat it. Jesus. <laughs> um, um, is this the first found footage film? I, I mean, I don't know enough about that aspect of film history to claim as much, but 
Maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I'm like, I don't know if this was, this wasn't a popular, which is one of the reasons why I think he got into trouble or they tried to, like, have him brought I mean, Based charges. on the public response, it's probably one of the first, yeah. at least. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of similar to, like, a world War of the Worlds type situation where the public just wasn't aware of the, the gag, I guess. <laughs> No, I mean, Orson Welles scared the shit out of people. I gotta watch that movie. It's on my list. No, no, the audio drama. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the actual no, movie. No, you know the, do you know that story? Huh. Oh, uh, Orson Welles did an audio drama, like a radio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember of, he used to do that. Of, of War of the Worlds. H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. However, uh, because it played straight through, um, people that missed the opening minutes where they say, disclaimer, oh, this, is, fucking this awesome. is a drama, they tuned in there like, Oh my god, like what's happening? Because the genius of the production was that it was staged like a news report. French champagne. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. The Martians don't do anything. That's brilliant. No, it was brilliant. Orson Welles was a brilliant guy in a lot of ways. He was also a fucking trickster. Yeah, that's good. He loved putting one over on people. And yeah, the the presentation of the product. I've actually heard it. Like one of my teachers in like high school got got bored one day and just played it for us. And uh, yeah, it's portrayed as a news report. So he's he's a news reporter watching the Martians invade the world. That's how stupid people were. Jeez. Yeah, and so if you just click on the radio and say, like, "Okay, kids, we're gonna listen to the radio tonight before you go to bed." Oh my god! Get the guns! Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, if the audience isn't prepared for that, if they're not aware of of the tricks of the trade, yeah. then yeah, I could totally see people watching Cannibal Holocaust and thinking, "Oh my god, what happened?" Like. Well, that, what happened to these people? And that's kind of the theory I have behind killing the animals. We need to bomb the Amazon now. <laughs> like, right now. Because I think it was legit. Like, he was legit going for a publicity stunt. He's like, I want the, I don't, I want them to think the actors are gone. So yeah, I think yeah. that's part of the reason why we're killing animals on screen is to really make you think that this is happening. Um, oh, yeah, you were, you, were, you were moving us. Oh, on. yeah. Uh, next major beat is, it's a very minor, it's not a major <laughs> um, mm. Faye, Faye gets a tarantula on her. Oh, yeah. And But the one thing that's important here is uh, the way the the way this film is coming together. Uh, because remember, all this footage in the Amazon at this point is found footage uh, in the context of the film. Uh, so what happens here is Faye freaks out, and she's like posted up against a tree, and she has a tarantula on her. And you can hear from behind the camera, keep filming, keep filming. Mm-hmm. And then they run up to her, they put the camera right in her face, and she just has this awful grimace, like she's terrified. Yeah. And so, in terms of orders of business, film it, then then do something about it. Yeah. So this poor girl has to suffer with this tarantula on her for a good few moments here that she didn't have to because their first reaction was to get footage of it. Yeah. Um, which is something you need to keep in mind going forward because this keeps happening. Well, they, something happens and the first instinct is collect the footage of it then then maybe intercede or you know whatever well i think that's i mean it, that was probably what was happening in the vietnam war as well i mean think about barry pepper in uh uh that we were soldiers he's a photographer that's true yeah and he's very much like he's not in combat at all and he's i don't even think he's in the military i think he's like an actual reporter he's not even like a military reporter mm-hmm. so he's he's doing nothing he doesn't have a gun he's just going around with a camera people's skin is like sliding off their legs and stuff it's it's very uncomfortable no that that's what i was bringing up earlier like it's very difficult to observe without 
interfering in some fashion, or at least without in, without influencing in some fashion. Just by being there, you're changing things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, their guide gets bit by a snake. Yeah. And his name is Felipe, by the way. Uh, yeah, he gets bit by a snake, and uh, th- this is a if you're bitten by a snake, uh, they're like you gotta suck the venom out, or you gotta. Uh, you gotta hack off the limb. I'm like, no, no, no. Your blood is pumping so quick; it's in your system. There's nothing you're gonna do about it. Like, I mean, city slickers suck his blood. <laughs> like, oh, suck it out. Have you seen? Uh, <laughs> have you seen? Uh, it's very recent, but a guy takes um, a uh, a little little thing of blood and he takes snake venom and he drops it in. And you can see it coagulating. Oh, it's fuck. fucking terrifying. Does it turn to goo? It's like yeah, jello? it's turning into jello. It's like oh, wow. Fuck. Yeah, I'd like to see that actually. It's I'll 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 cue it up here. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, yeah, but they chop and cauterize. Yeah, well, at his command, he actually he's actually <laughs> calling out like "cut off my leg, cut off my leg." And again, the small thing, uh, and it needs to be said, the cinematography here is pretty brilliant. Yeah, uh, it's all shot on on sixteen millimeter, and we see numerous shots of of our our cast basically our yeah. documentary crew carrying the cameras and it really feels like the footage we're seeing is just handheld garbage like it's not professionally shot or set up um and a lot of the angles are pushed in too much where it's like pull the fuck back like come yeah. on man like you know again if spielberg was there he'd be like you're fucking it up yeah. <laughs> you're fucking it up <laughs> it's like i already got this fucking shark to contend with now you're fucking up the camera thanks <laughs> it's not like you spent all day getting bruce working <laughs> fuck <laughs> but yeah um i noticed this just like brief moment where one of the documentary crew is holding felipe down as they're preparing as they're like putting a uh, tourniquet like a belt around his thigh wishful thinking yeah for real yeah in the jungle i want to cut someone's leg off yeah that's gonna work out well for him You're the biggest artery in the human body yeah fuck <laughs> um, but i noticed that the guy who's holding him down has like a brief moment just like a couple of frames where he makes eye contact with the camera and he has like a goofy smile on his face mm-hmm. like huh? yeah like this is going to be good yeah keep filming keep filming just keep going yeah and uh they cut his leg off and cauterize it with the machete and the next sequence is oh felipe died yeah they bur- they bur- obviously yeah, they bury him with leaves and shit but yeah uh the director from off camera again you can hear him like very very softly on the audio track like are you still shooting it's like Yes, I'm still shooting. <laughs> uh, that was kind of the thing in Blair Witch Project. There was a lot of like, are you fucking filming again? Like, well, speaking of fucking filming again, Faye takes a shit. By a tree, yeah. By a tree. And we're filming it. These guys are, <laughs> these guys are assholes. Yes, they are. I, I can't believe she, like, I don't know if she has like a Stockholm Syndrome type situation yeah, with these guys, but these guys are dudes. monsters. She's not great either. No. But the point is, she's surrounded by like human shit bags, and she's just going with the flow. Yeah. But yeah, she takes a ship behind a tree, and of course, Alan comes around the corner with the camera, films it, um, and then the reel ends, and there's a moment of black. Um, we get some more wildlife shit. Yeah. Crossing a river, which immediately made me think of Jurassic Park, because they have a little raft on, uh, a, on, a, on a rope, Yeah. and it made me think of the lawyer's introduction. Do you know what he says? Uh, I forget the actor's name, but he's like sitting there. He says something in Spanish. Do you know what he says? I, I just recently found out. Uh, no. 
He's like, I'll bet you a million dollars he falls in. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so That's good. awesome. Because, like, his stance, like, you can tell he's just, like, yeah. paralyzed. He's just laughing. He's like, I bet you a million dollars he falls in. But, yeah, it's the same yeah. wood raft on a rope. <laughs> And they use that to fucking Spielberg is great at using uh, foreign languages to communicate something we don't know off screen. I love that. (laughs) It's it's a little bit different in Saving Private Ryan, but uh, yeah. Um, So yeah, maybe it was improvised. Who knows? (laughs) I mean. It might have been. Spielberg's like, what are you saying? It's like, I bet you a million dollars he falls in. It's like, keep that in. Keep that in. <laughs> uh, yeah, they see a caiman, anaconda. They don't kill the snake, do they? No, no. They just see a caiman and an anaconda. They yeah. film it for fun because it adds to the drama of yeah. them crossing an otherwise boring, muddy river. Um, and then they happen upon some Yakumo. Yeah. Um, and they cut a monkey's fucking face off. Yeah, I saw this. They uh, take his face off. Um, yeah, uh, not the first place I would think to to hit a monkey with a machete, but no. yeah, they cut its face off. Yeah, well, I think now, like, you've seen the animal killing up until this point. Um, it's been quote-unquote humane, I would say. Uh, it's been for food. Uh, that muskrat con- got it pretty bad. The muskrat got it bad. Uh, that but, took a while. But that's also, he was, like, setting the tone again. He's like, yeah. you're going to see The some turtle, more. at least they went right for the neck and just gave it a good whack. Gave it a whack. It, it was still twitching. I don't know if it was still alive. But the muskrat, it's like, you might want to hurry up there, Miguel. Yeah. It's like, I know you got a piece on you, but, like, your knife handling skills, yeah. not the best. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, but they were eating it for food. Turtle was for food. The monkey, it's kind of just, it, I don't it was just kind of just a sadistic death like they're not well this one is perpetrated by the akumo oh yeah um so this isn't the documentary crew they're hiding in the bushes like watching the akumo yeah. fart around in the jungle and yeah this akumo just goes whack and takes the monkey's face off and the one's like playing with the face uh sure and then like i think one of them's like sucking on the head uh, apparently the the actual tribes people they used as extras in this movie um wanted to eat the monkey brains because yeah. it was a delicacy among them um however the director professes that like he he had like fake monkey brains if you know if people were offended by that or something but then they're like no 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 <laughs> it's like i'm offended by the monkey brain i would say it's probably hard to kill a monkey because they don't have guns they got darts i mean they're little those shifty little shits. Yeah, catching catching a little spider monkey fuck that's probably difficult it yeah. probably is a delicacy i, I mean they, they earn that shit they uh, earned that monkey face. I wonder how much of this we're just uncomfortable seeing animals kill on screen. Because this isn't, like, this is how animals die. This is how we eat animals, is they're fucking killed. Like, you and I are like, we don't do this on a daily This is how people used to do it. Just kill yeah, animals. Yeah, every, every animal you consume was killed at yeah. some point. And people would just, like, if you had a farm in the fucking 16th century, you're like, yeah, we've got goats and we've got fucking chickens. Guess how we eat them? We fucking hack them. I think the main difference is understanding of human anatomy, of, like, just mammalian anatomy. Yeah. Like, I think it's generally accepted among even, like, primitive folks that the head is important. (laughs) In what way? I don't know, but, like, the idea of using a knife to take a monkey's face off as opposed to, like, going straight for the neck or something like that, maybe that makes more sense from their perspective. 
like maybe by maybe the the soul or the like the yeah. the spiritual energy of the thing is housed within its face. Or you feel um, or you feel less guilty because it is it is mammalian. Like it looks well, like because I mean the the brain we know what the brain does. Yeah. But somebody that doesn't have any understanding of anatomy. You know, they don't know what that is. They know it's tasty. Or cutting the face off of something you're about to eat makes you feel better about actually dressing yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the face is gone, so now it's I, now it's, it, it's not a th- it's not a it's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it it doesn't make sounds or That's express itself. Yeah, I mean, it's just something that I thought of while I was talking. But revolutions, connection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the. They come back to the tribe, and this is, uh, we now get another animal death, the uh, the pig. Uh, I didn't listen nor watch this, so I'm not... Oh, well, I, I'll tell you about it. I don't um, want, I don't, okay. Not, there's not much to it. I'm not listening. The way we find the Yakumo village actually ties into the, uh, ties into the, the sequences preceding this one, where uh, we shoot one of them in the thigh, uh, so that tribes the wounded tribesmen that dr monroe discovered earlier in the film this is it's explained to us that yeah. this is when it happened and that's why it happened is that the documentary crew shot him in the thigh with the intention of following him home mm-hmm. um, and then they do so and then we get in the yakumo village and like every it's chilling yeah uh, because all the villagers are not hostile no they're spooked but they're not hostile like nobody's like raising up arms or even approaching them they're just kind of keeping their distance and they're weirded out which is interesting it makes them look very innocent um and it makes it more difficult to watch um but they do find the injured tribesmen uh none of the villagers give any indication that they know that they were the ones who caused this to happen to him um but yeah the the piglet the worst part of it is that they kick it a few times yeah they like the one guy like kicks it around a bit and then it's just a single shot to the head. It's it's thankfully, I'm pretty sure, just over and done with like that. Uh, I read up on this a little bit. Apparently they only had permission to kill one pig. Um, and apparently there was supposed to be a monologue sequence during this part that uh, the shock of the death of the pig caused the actor to flub their lines. Yeah. Uh, but they only had permission to kill the one pig, so this all had to be done in one take. And it's filmed and portrayed as such. And it makes it more effective mm-hmm. uh, because this is a long shot. It goes on for quite a while, and after the pig is shot, there's a lot more to it, and there's a lot more choreography that happens here. Pig. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the after the pig is shot, all the villagers freak out a bit, and then we hear the director yell, uh, the massacre of the Akumos by the Yanomamos. Yeah. So he's created, he's manufacturing a narrative here for shits and giggles to... to enhance the drama of his quote-unquote documentary um he we also hear him like say under his breath just like cambodia which suggests he he has done this before um and then yeah they kind of corral everybody into the longhouse in the village and they sets it on fire yeah they set it on fire (laughs) then they uh they're like trying to they they kind of push everybody underneath the hut and set it on fire yeah, I'm like, what the fuck are you guys like? It, it, I didn't know where this was going. Like, you could kind of tell that they were a little off at this point. I'm like, now they're just fabricating stories. Like, well, they're yeah, no, th- this is no longer a documentary. This is a movie. Yeah, this is yeah, this, this is, is a movie with actors who aren't aware that they're in a movie. And this is the groovy track again. Yeah, um, it's very effective though, because uh, it's it's 
the emotional layers to this piece of music, I, there's a lot to it. Yeah. It, it evokes a lot of emotions, a lot of disparate emotions. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the music kind of overpowers all the sound in the sequence as the burning goes on, and it, it kind of gets to you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it needs to be said, apparently this director got in trouble with a lot of people because um, these were actual fires, yeah. and some of these people were forced to stay close to these fires a lot longer than they were comfortable with. Um, yeah, it uh, needs to be said, uh, this director... Apparently, this entire film shoot, life was imitating art uh, because... He was a set tyrant. He was awful. Um, one of one of the uh, one of the actors, one of the lead actors, one of the documentary crew. Uh, I guess his first day on the set was the leg cutting scene, mm. and he was like, "I don't know what the fuck this is." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, he showed up and he had no idea what the film was. He just got an acting gig and was like, "Okay, sure." Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently this director was kind of an asshole. Um, and he was really rough with people. He looks crazy short. Yeah, I, I think he's like, <laughs> he looks like he's like five four. I've like seen that picture of him with Eli Roth, and he looks pretty tiny. And so I could see like kind of a Napoleon complex where you got to yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, uh, mental yeah. Uh, I was gonna say the rest of that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> There's more to that. <laughs> mental small person. Um, well, now that people have been set on fire, though, we got to get to some fucking, right? Yes. Well, this is interesting. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, according to the IMDb, according to the actress, this was not simulated. Um, yeah, I, I saw a couple of elements of the trivia here, also referencing the director being kind of a dick. Um, apparently, he encouraged uh, the, direct, the director character, Alan, and the actress that plays Faye uh, to go out in the jungle and fuck a bit. Uh, before the sequence, before the filming of the sequence, he's like, oh, "Get comfortable." <laughs> I think they're, I think they're dating at the time. I wouldn't be surprised. I think she was dating him at the time. Uh, the characters are supposed to be an item. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the actors, but yeah, the director encouraged them get, get some, get some fucks in before we film this, so you guys can be, you know, good to go. <laughs> I, saying, I think the act, the actual actors were dating okay. at the time. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah it's uh, again shot from a voyeuristic angle, and um, the tribe are in the background. Yeah, at one point the camera pulls back a bit, and we see the Akumo just kind of sitting by the water and casually observing. Um, Alan does comment like, "Let's show them how we do it," so he doesn't care. Yeah. Um, it goes on for several minutes, and then it concludes when uh, the person behind the camera starts giggling, mm-hmm. and Alan notes it. He finishes, <laughs> but he does make note of the fact that he's being observed by the camera, but he doesn't care. This just reminded me of fucking Bad Lieutenant, uh, <laughs> when he gets the crack from her, he's like, no, you stay here and you watch your you girl. Watch. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Ah, uh, Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, that's such a good movie. Um, Port of Call, New Orleans. Port not, of... not the Harvey Keitel one, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen either. It's on my. It's on Prime right now. I've been meaning to watch it. Um, I feel like Herzog probably did a... Did a more interesting job, but I I don't know. I, I want to say you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't know though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we get uh, we get to do yeah. We haven't gotten to the really really problematic scene. Um, we get we to go, like we go f- back to New York for a bit. Do we, do we go back? To New York? Yeah, we have a little conversation on a park bench. No, oh, yeah, and it's a studio exec, and this is this is where the themes of the movie get kind of like hammered the fuck home, mm-hmm. like very explicitly. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little ham-fisted, but basically, uh, Doctor Monroe and the it was stu- dubbed. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the studio exec and Dr. Monroe are talking in the park in the park. In the park. <laughs> and there's a couple of choice quotes I wrote down here with uh, Monroe saying, "What's exceptional about a primitive tribe being terrorized?" And uh, the studio exec retorts with, uh, the more you rape their senses, the happier they are, in reference to the audience. Yeah. Um, Did you ever think that we're the savages? Would you like people to make money off of your misery? Yeah. It's like, okay, I get it. We get it. You're trying to say something with your cannibal holocaust. Do you think that he's like, (laughs) I have to make it, like, this movie's fucked up. Like, I have to be explicit about what I'm trying to say. Have you seen anything implicit about what I've been getting? I, at? I mean, like, as a, like a producer of this, I'd be like, say it so they know yeah. there's a point to this. Like, yeah, fucking for real, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, just get throw it out there, man. Like, yeah. I don't care how hamfisted it is, just put it out there. Um, but yeah, we got a really awful scene where there's a burned woman, mm. um, and again, they do nothing to help her. Uh, no, I mean. Obviously, that either way, that that's probably what you're supposed to do, but not when you're the person who burned them. Who did it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they film her and they manufacture a narrative about her, like, oh, this is why she was burned, and it was all perpetrated by the Yanomamo. It's like, man, you guys are just digging a ditch for yourselves. Shit. Uh, Yeah, we get um, a forced. uh, I guess this was kind of um, an abortion of some kind, or yeah, uh, they. The documentary crew happened upon this woman that's like tied up yeah. to some sort of wooden structure and this she's obviously pregnant and the the phrase they use is social surgery but uh, it is mentioned that she has some sort of disease or infection yeah uh, so the idea here is they're forcing an abortion i guess to like prefer, preserve the safety of the tribe or something mm-hmm. it's pretty awful i think this scene along with the sea turtle is enough to to keep like 99 percent of people away from this film yeah because I, I think this scene in particular the, may... the next one is the worst one for yeah me. um but yeah this is pretty rough um and they just kind of observe it and the oh here's where you're just gonna observe motherfucker. <laughs> yeah 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 it's like where 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 are your moral values at guys I, I sometimes you have them sometimes you don't i'm really confused yeah but, but yeah, they they bury the the child and they kill her with stones. It's it's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, they kill the baby again. I think this is kind of coming back to Vietnam. It's I just feel like it just keeps coming back to that. That was a very, that was a one of the biggest things that I heard. Like you're a bunch of baby killers. Yeah. 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 I mean um, the the My Lai massacres, uh, in particular, kind of exacerbated things. Yeah. Where it's like, oh fuck, now we have a specific example <laughs> that we can all point to, and that we nobody can deny. Yeah. Um, I did have a legit laugh um, during this. I don't know why I thought it was funny. It's it's really dark humor, but um, we get yeah, yeah. He the Monroe is saying that he's like this isn't document this isn't documentary footage anymore. Like this is something completely different, and I'm not comfortable. I'm like, I'm not going to be narrating this thing. I'm <laughs> yeah, not going to be a part yeah, of this. They, they wanted him to be the face. Like They wanted him to be the front man for this whole presentation. Yeah. No. And yeah, he basically says, fuck yous. Can't do it. Um, but yeah, we go back into the editing bay, and then we have... Uh, you said this was the roughest this scene? This was the roughest scene for me. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. It's pretty awful. Um, again, we have... Uh, we have a, a local girl, a tribes girl. Um, they end up capturing her, and you can kind of guess where it goes from here. Uh, all three of them, uh, it's it's a gang rape. They they 
they gang rape this woman and then um they end up the what's her name Faye is like you guys need to stop doing this yeah, this is bad we alluded to this earlier where uh, all of a sudden Faye develops a conscience just yeah. out of nowhere she basically she does mention and like this does nothing to shed light on her character but it is interesting she does say that we only have three film canisters left mm-hmm. we we can't use this so she could still be a 100% awful person. Yeah. She may not have a conscience. It's just the fact that we're shooting stuff that's going to waste. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she tries to intercede and like stop things, but they kind of wrestle her out of the way and proceed to do what they do. Um, and yeah, it's pretty bad. Again, I think the fact that it's shot from a voyeuristic angle, that it, it it's not cinematic. It just no. looks like a thing that's happening. And it, you know... I, thankfully don't know what that actually looks like but you know this is probably this is pretty yeah it's pretty rough i had so during the scene it it cuts to the the next scene and we're like we're kind of just like in the in the middle of it like fuck and i had a legit laugh he goes he's changing reels (laughs) jesus yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i thought it was kind of funny no no it's fine he's changing reels yeah it needs to be said here uh at this point because Professor Monroe has an agenda because his his aim at this point is I want nothing to do with this, but I also don't think the public should be shown this. No. Um, because of that, he he basically approaches the studio executives, not just the woman, all of them, yeah. and says, uh, there's some more footage that wasn't in the editing bay that I've seen that you guys haven't that I think you need to. Yeah. Uh, so from the gang rape scene onward the this is the footage that he was withholding and Mm -hmm. he takes them into a screening room and we're all just sitting in essentially a tiny theater all the executives and professor monroe watching and yeah because we have film canisters we change reels every once in a while (laughs) but it's that layer of reality that enhances the drama a little bit where it's like yeah you would have to do that yeah and yeah if you're if you're pretending that this footage is raw footage that's unedited footage then yeah, absolutely. You it, every every stanza in the drama would be on separate reels. Yeah. Um, so it's a layer of reality that's like fuck. As as much crap as this director has on his filmography, apparently he he put a lot of thought and care into this one. Um, have we gotten to the Pike? Yeah, uh, the impaled lady. Uh, mm-hmm. This is probably the most iconic yeah. image from the whole movie. And. This is an, this is a real like this is a it's it's graphic don't get me wrong but from an engineering standpoint it's brilliant yeah <laughs> it's brilliant and like I said the the practical effects of this film are really done done well this is the this is the best one I would say yeah uh, this this is an effect that I actually had to look up this was like a magic trick mm-hmm. I didn't know how they did it yeah and so I actually had to look it up because I, I got to know um, so this is a, a young woman on a it's just a, a long pike basically and it's shoved up from her bottom out through her mouth and the the confidence on the part of the cinematographer the director the editor everybody involved the, the makeup effects technicians is on full display because we take a little walk around her yeah and we you know you get to see many angles of this thing and it's like i still don't know what what i'm looking at this looks real um and apparently it fooled a lot of people yeah this this effect in particular was where a lot of the public outrage came from it's Mm -hmm. like i think that's real and we need to get this guy in jail because he killed a girl yeah um 
But yeah, uh, do you want to tell us how it was done, Kyle? Yeah, so uh, it was actually really easy. Uh, <laughs> smoke and mirrors, guys. Uh, so what they had uh, had her do to have it going in was they had her like just like on a rope or some or uh, not a rope. Uh, they had her sitting on a bicycle seat mm-hmm. and like leaning up against the uh, the pike. And they actually had her uh, with what well, the top would be. She was just holding it in her mouth. Yeah. And they have it lined up perfectly to where it looks it looks legit. It's yeah. it's done really well. Yeah, um, it's so simple, but like I think a lot of credit probably needs to go to the actress. That was the that, that was mentioned in the trivia like she was just total like she was just really good at sitting so still. Cuz yeah, sometimes you know you even like really good actors have sequences where it's like he's still breathing yeah <laughs> it's like i can see him blinking oh i hate that when i see <laughs> a little kids i'll allow like i get it like they it's harder for them to do but adults you can you can do this come on oh, yeah even like involuntary shit like i can still see his his i can still see his neck <laughs> his pulse yeah. yeah i can still see his blood pumping <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's a it's a good effect and yeah we just we happen upon this and uh <laughs> yeah, uh, the film degrades after we take a look at this, and uh, all of a sudden, our documentary crew are just surrounded. Yeah, they're, they're in the jungle, and the atmosphere has changed. Yeah, so Alan, Alan is no longer giddy; he's concerned. Yeah, I would be concerned too because they've done a lot of bad shit. Uh, this is where the tone is completely different. Now we understand what's happening and why they went missing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we've kind of pieced it together yeah. at this point. Like, these are not good people. Whatever happened to them, they had coming. But mm-hmm. this is where they we finally get to see said comeuppance. Um, this is where it doesn't make sense in the film that they would continue filming. Oh, no. God, I would have been God, no. gone. I would, well, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't have been doing this shit. Uh, <laughs> but maybe, I guess maybe the idea was like, if they get one of us, they'll be happy. They'll, they'll be fine. Just, you know. Well, he does say they're surrounded. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot you can do in that situation other than fight back and hope for the best. Um, they do all have guns. Um, the blonde guy, the guy with the mustache, he takes some shots at the at the villagers. Um, he takes a couple of them out, and then we do uh, actually interestingly like interestingly subtle effect here, where uh, the camera it's all one shot, and like we can hear Alan panicking a little bit, but then we also hear a keep rolling. We're going to get an Oscar for this. Yeah. But then the camera pans back to the guy with the blonde hair and all of a sudden he just has a spear in him yeah so we didn't see the moment of impact but we saw him we panned away from him we come back to him all of a sudden he's not in a good way yeah uh and then he slumps over at some point and uh all the yanomamo run up on him and drag just cart his ass off this sequence is really good i think this is yeah it's it in terms of establishing like a editing flow mm-hmm. um this is where all the animal cruelty stuff tries tries to justify itself. Yes. The way we film that is how we're going to film the humans dying. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens here. Is this guy gets carted off into a clearing. We film the whole thing. Uh, the See, cam- the camera angle here is what really sells it. That and the music, obviously. I was going to say the music is great. Yeah, this. the music, it's the same ominous track that plays over almost every awful thing in this movie. This feels real. That's it what's does. so good about this. Yeah, and... I was telling you this before we went, before we started recording, that I, a lot of what makes it work is taking advantage of, of the context of the film. Mm-hmm. We're we're supposed to be watching raw and unedited footage. Yeah, and the way we get away with this, like, 
inserting effects and stuff and doing things that in real life require setup to execute. Um, instead of like changing angles or doing cuts, we have like blank frames, like missing frames and like degraded yeah. frames and things that say like missing real and like uh, number codes and stuff for frames that are missing. We have those inserted every every so often to hide the editing transitions and it looks genuine. It looks like a single continuous take for like five minutes, um, hiding in the bushes shot from an intensely intimate angle. Mm -hmm. it, it looks like it looks like you were there. Basically. Yeah, it does. And it's very effective. And it's funny because like you put a lot of emphasis on the quality of the practical effects in this movie. I don't know how much of this is actually effects though, mm. because the the killing of this guy, the blonde guy, uh, they they whack him with sticks, they they hack him apart. But in terms of like actual effects work, I feel like it's mostly just viscera and and fake bodies. Um, it's not so much like an effect in yeah, the yeah. traditional sense. It's just like actual dead things. That's that's fair. Um, but, but you you don't <clears throat> see you don't actually see the moment of like them tearing his guts out and stuff like Day of the Dead or something. It's it, it's still practical, but what what it's accomplishing is really good again because of the the transitions being hidden it feels like yeah you're you're watching a guy get torn apart i mean because there's a way to have like you you can have good practical effects and then just not a convincing like oh that's that's clearly fake because well, when i when i think of like a traditional effect or something like the uh tribesman getting shot in the face in mm -hmm. the beginning of the movie that was very clearly a fake head with fireworks in it very much yeah <laughs> Like, it's not the best of effects. And even during this scene, uh, every so often we cut back to a shot of his severed head. And it's very obviously him buried with leaves. Yeah. With an eyeball bulging out. But then we look at the body and all the organs coming out of it. And it's like, that's real. That's it's like, because I think those are just real organs shoved yeah. into a fake body. Could be. I mean, I mean, you would think at this point it is. I think they're real organs. I mean, that's what... Uh, not, not human, but just real organs. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead, that's what was like horse. Yeah, I think it was from... Yeah, they're just shoving fake organs in their faces and no. pretending to chew on them. They're real. There was they, they, the, the, the Night of the Living Dead, the original one, was actually stuff from like a, a dog... It was like horse intestines or... Yeah, intestines. I, I believe that. And then yeah. Day of the Dead, famously, the, the torso rip in that one, mm. like... Yeah. Refrigeration went bad. <laughs> you know that story? Huh. Uh, yeah, that they had organs. Like I forget from what animal, probably pigs or something. And they had it shoved up in this like fake casted human torso. And the most iconic kill in that movie, one that I forgot to bring up on our cinematic oh. deaths episode, which will be coming out on Halloween. A couple days here. Yeah. Um, apparently where they were storing that the refrigeration went bad oh so the smell was Ooh. just the fucking worst that, that's and bad. that poor guy was like bolt, bolted into a like a, yeah. a a board with a fake <laughs> torso and he's just face to face with this smell and he's <laughs> yeah. just Gross. gagging yeah that effect is fantastic though it's one of the best of its kind well i mean arguably if it's not if we're not using makeup if we're not ma like making up this no, stuff I, i'm not saying yeah. they're not i'm not saying they're not effects they are it's just the way they're presented is it's not it's untraditional it's like, untraditional it, yeah, for it, sure it's it's hard for me to like if you were to put that like head to head with something 
like the thing. Yeah, or, I like, know what you're saying. It's yeah. like I would not even put those on the same or even the like, same plane. Like they're or, not the same thing. Or even like Eli Roth, who's actually like the cutting of the Achilles tendon, where you see that you're like, holy fuck, that felt real. Uh, and it's him, not him and him and Greg Nicotero, they're they're buddy buddy. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, uh, what movie was I watching? Oh, Lone Survivor. Oh, yeah. I know you don't do those nah, movies. No. Um, it's, it always tickles me that I, I remember distinctly his name in the credits because he did the makeup effects because there's some brutal fucking makeup effects in that movie. Mm. Uh, he's listed as Gregory Nicotero. Oh, really? And I was like, okay. 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 He's Greg. Well, uh, just a simple one, Gibbani Ravisi in, um, in Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Like, it's, it's not a difficult one. It's just literally like a hole. It, but the, the quality of the skin... The material they used looks real, perfect. Like yeah, it, it looks like human skin. The way that the the fluid sticks yeah. to it, like, and even the type of blood they used, it's like fuck. That's what it looks like. It's it's dark and it, it stains and. It, but we're hide like we're kind of hiding behind the trees and watching. Yeah, this, the so. cinematography does a lot of favors. Yeah, uh, a lot of favors. It does, and yeah. it's it's it feels wholly genuine. It works, and it's very it's very chilling and very effective. Even though the person we're watching being killed is a shit eel. Maybe, maybe where it's not uh, it's not practical effects it's a it's effective effects it's effects done practically it's effects it's effective practical it's effectively practical I guess that's more or less what I was getting I'm like yeah um but yeah uh, following that uh, we oh yeah by the way he gets castrated oh uh, yeah he gets castrated and that's actually one of the more chilling parts yeah. right before they butcher him because because we see him head to toe. Do you remember watching The Revenant the first time? You've seen The Revenant. I own The Revenant. Okay, it's the first God. 4K movie I bought. Good on you. I saw it in the theater. I remember watching that. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, you're not even <laughs> ready for it, dude. Like, all right, guys. This is a movie where dicks get cut off. <laughs> no, dude. I When I got my 4K television, like, I, I got myself ready for it. I hadn't seen The Revenant yet, and I was like... I, I did a lot of research on what discs look best because there's a lot of four, like phony 4Ks where it's like it has the label on it. It has the box. It's like not quite there, though. That one, though, they apparently whipped themselves into shape, got done right. Apparently they do that for Kubrick films as well because Ooh, it's, it's the it fucking... It deserves it. It's the fucking Kubrick estate. You do not fuck around. Um, but yeah, The Revenant was like one of the highest rated discs at the time and I really wanted to see it. It's I have a, a lot of respect for that director film. and mind blown i was like from a visual standpoint it's a beautiful film like i'm a believer now like, <laughs> no because really like the 4k thing we're still at that point where it's like oh there's a lot of people who roll their eyes and are like it what it doesn't make a difference i can't tell the difference that one i was like you can <laughs> i need to see 2001 a space odyssey on 4k That's... yeah I, I sat my friend down to he had already seen the revenant i sat him down in front of my tv and i was like you need to see this on and 4k he, and he was like Okay. Wow. <laughs> He's like, I want one. <laughs> I haven't seen one. Um, but yeah, yeah at, like a few minutes later, Faye gets nabbed. Yeah, you can guess what happens to her. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's not good. Uh, she gets some awfulness to her. Her death actually seems more merciful than the other fellas. Yeah. Well, deservedly, she but, wasn't as bad as the other. But ones. if you factor in all the stuff that happens before her death, yeah. it's on the same level. Yeah. Yeah, it's equally awful. I go, and there goes a penis. Uh, <laughs> oh, and there goes Faye's head. Yeah, Faye gets taken, beheaded. Um, kind of, I guess we're kind of wrapping up here yeah, with some the, of the, the stuff. Yeah, the, the footage wraps up in a hurry. I, I think it's 
I think it's wise on the part of the director. Yeah. Because showing what happened, I think the guy's name is Jack, the blonde guy. Mm-hmm. Showing what happened to him in such like gruesome detail over such a long period of time, it's like it's very similar to the Green Inferno, where mm-hmm. it's like you're not going to top that. No. So just wrap it up. Just wrap it up. Like we already know that whatever happened to him is going to happen to them. We don't need to see it back to back to back to back. That's just a waste of everyone's time at this point. That would be laborious. Uh, so after phase out of the picture, the Yanomamo catch, catch wind of the camera hiding in the bushes. Uh, they rush both the director and the cameraman, and then the last shot of their footage is Alan's face collapsed in front of the camera covered in blood. Yeah. We don't see what happens to him, but we can... We can only imagine. Yeah, we can imagine it's probably exactly the same as what Jack got. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I love when, when the lights come up in the screening room and the old man... He just, not a word, just gets up. Just walks, yeah. He just leaves. I was, <laughs> just, it gave me flashback as my grandpa. Like, I remember we were at his house in Hawaii, and, uh, like, the whole family rented Son of Sam. I haven't seen that one yet. I think it's a Spike Lee joint. Oh, is that the John Leguizamo? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was too young to watch it, so I was just hiding out in the kitchen eating shit. And then my grandpa just kind of like putters into the kitchen. I hear him say like garbage. No, rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and he sat down and started eating. <laughs> he also used to have That's a funny. habit of like when he was done for the night, he'd just get up and turn off the TV when there were like 20, yeah, 20 other people, people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and just leave. They're like, okay, we're just going to turn it back on. <laughs> but yeah, funny. just remember him puttering in the rubbish. Rubbish. <laughs> yeah, that old man just silently leaving the room. And then... Uh, one of the other execs in the back of the room picks up the phone and he just very quickly says, John, I want this material burned. Yeah. All of it. So Professor Munro got what he wanted. Yeah, he uh, he comes down. Yeah, I'm glad you caught this too. Um, he, he comes outside and uh, he's like, I wonder who the real cannibals are. And we get a shot. It took me, I had to go back and see it again. I'm like, I think that was the Twin Towers. And uh, we... We come. I go back and like, yeah, we get um of looking down or uh, we're um down from, the street, street level, yeah, yeah, street level looking up, and that's where you're like, do you get it? Do you get it? Um, basically hitting the nail home. Yeah, capitalist. I mentioned pigs. this on the cinematic death episode, which by the way is coming out on October thirty first. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, the last shot of that movie is as ham-fisted as it gets but very effective after you've seen the whole movie because it's basically a little kid like sitting and then he looks directly into the camera and like all the awful things that just happened in the movie you're just like i think he's trying to tell me that like you should you should remember this (laughs) like he looks directly into your soul right in there he's like do you get it do you get it huh (laughs) i mean again this is 1980 so i'm my argument for this film is just vietnam capitalist pigs yeah, did you did you understand the, the quote This was here? supposed to be uh, from what I understand this quote at the end projectionist John K Kurov was given a 2 month suspended jail sentence and fined $10,000 for illegal appropriation of film material. We know that he received 250,000 for that same footage. So, I think that this was just supposed to be a part of the film and I think it was supposed to feel like this was real. I, I think you're right. It's yeah. supposed to be like another layer of like meta reality where mm-hmm. it's like Ooh. he was playing with things he didn't know like i think that's why this adds to the the big the big outcry like, oh my god he's fucking killing people yeah i, I stick by my war of the worlds uh, 
parallel. Yeah, I think like, that's it's a situation where the audience would didn't know that it was all work of fiction yeah. and were con- confused and concerned. <laughs> I don't think there was anything like that. So I think this might have been one of the first, one of the earliest found footage films, if not the first, more or less. Very possibly could be. Um, it's definitely a unique film in in every sense. Like it, I can't think of another film with this narrative construction to it, where we're cutting back and forth between found footage and like people who found the footage yeah because normally i'm i'm very used to the found footage format being uh, a title slide saying yeah. what you're about to see is real yeah the, this footage was recovered from blah blah blah, blah <laughs> location uh brace yourself i mean didn't they do that with the texas chainsaw massacre um i think they did and i haven't seen it but i think they did wow uh, it says that the blair witch project is the first found footage film now that's some bullshit <laughs> well, maybe from front to back. Yeah. Cannibal Holocaust is definitely on here. No, it, as it should be. I mean, a good half of the film is portrayed as such. Well, I mean, like, as one of the earliest ones. But Blair Witch has the element of, of it being front nope. to back. This is the first one. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust, the first horror film using this filming technique. Okay. So, yeah, this, I mean, okay. there's significance to this film. And I, I don't even like this medium. I don't like found footage films, but I, this is different. I don't either. I'm not a big fan. Um, there are good ones. Don't get me wrong. There's ones that I enjoy. But typically, it takes a lot for me to actually go for one. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get flashbacks of those ghost hunter shows and yeah. stuff that some of my friends were into in, like, high school. Although, there was this one called Ghost Lab that was fucking phenomenal. Um, my, my one friend got really into it because it was... It was these guys, the Clinge brothers, and there was these two big meathead guys that would go into like supposed haunted houses, and they'd like they'd get into shouting matches with the ghosts. And like, Come at me, bro! <laughs> like, you gotta move bookshelves and shit. Come out and face me, bro! And it's like, oh my god, Jesus. that's amazing. Uh, and I don't know what it is, Kyle, but for some reason, meatheads seem very susceptible to ghosts. Yeah, because they're idiots. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's like they get like super aggro. Like really easily, well, so it's like, oh, we gotta do something about this, bro. It's like, it's supernatural, it, it's bro. A, it's a creak. It's a it's creaky a house. Calm the fuck down, idiots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, uh, it according to this, it's the connection from 1961, and oh, uh, uh, it's an experimental film from experimental filmmaker Shirley Clark. Uh, so I, I'd have to look at that, but this is really, really high up. It's there. very innovative. Yeah, uh, it's a. It's a very well-constructed film. It's, it's problematic. It? It's, it's like, problematic. It's problematic. It probably, sh- absolutely, no, not probably, absolutely should not be seen by the vast majority of people. No. Um, but from just like a pure technical standpoint, like in terms of just pure filmmaking ability, it's a well-made movie. Yeah. It, it does what it seems to to want to do yeah. and so I, I have some praise for it in that sense I will not be rewatching. I this. will not be rewatching I it I have no desire to revisit no. it um, but it was a lot better than I was expecting it was a better and different and worse than I was expecting like all at the same time yeah I, <laughs> I, I, that, that makes any sense yeah no it, it makes perfect sense because the whole time you're watching it um, I mean I, th- I think one of the the stronger layers of 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 the film like the commentary aspect of it is it's accusatory towards the audience that's watching it where mm-hmm. it's like it's basically commenting on the fact that like you you as a person consuming this this media is consciously subjecting yourself to it yeah as a form of entertainment what does that say about you what does that say about you um yeah. it says that i i have a, apparently a strong tolerance for awful things yeah 
Uh, I don't know that what I got from this was entertainment. Um, Absolutely not, but um, definitely, definitely, I have some respect for the way it was put together. I, yeah, I have to. Uh, I'm not for the animal killings. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely not. Fuck. But if if they were if if they were eaten, I will respect that. And if they were eaten, I, I appreciate how that set the tone, like how it kind of sets the tone. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it really drives home the, the points that they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we need that many instances. We didn't. We didn't. We, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> why use five when one would have done just fine? No, I mean, we, we didn't mention all of them. I mean, the, no. the snake that bit Felipe gets killed oh, yeah. on camera. The tarantula that was just on I'm fine Faye. with that. Yeah, you can get, kill a tarantula. It gets squished. I'm fine with that. On camera. I would do the same thing. to the. If, I would, too. The snake, <laughs> snake tarantula, I'll kill those easily. If I'm hungry in the Amazon, we're gonna eat this turtle. I'm like, okay, if we gotta eat something, I'm see fine the tarantula, with that. I would 100% kill. 100%. Snake, I would be so afraid to make a move on that because I'm pretty sure it's faster than me. Yeah. And it might bite me too. <laughs> you can, I've, I've visited family in Arkansas where they have rattlesnakes, and you can kill a snake easily. So. Oh. Yeah, that's not hard. I mean, they are reptiles. They're probably not too smart. Yeah, you're <laughs> shooting them with BB guns and all kinds of stuff. Like, What's he doing? Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> also um, they can't see <laughs> um the how does it the, real quick the snake does is it in his shoe is that oh. how is that how it killed him or how it bit him i think it was just near him i, I can't recall i think he was putting his boot because he's complaining about his feet his yeah feet yeah, yeah that's fucked. right he puts his foot up to the camera that was pretty cool i remember that now it's very similar to the spearing where yeah. we we pan to him and he puts his foot up in front of the camera and he's got some sort of jungle rot going on we yeah. pan away from him we fart around a bit and then we hear ah! and the snake we like, pan back to him and then he's got his foot in his hand his foot and then the snake just kind of comes out of the shoe. yeah i mean that that's that's scary that i mean it's it's the subtlety of the portrayal of the violence in some ways that's how you make it feel more real mm-hmm. just have it be matter of fact yeah just have it just happen because usually i mean in real life that's how it happens it's, there's not drama to it it just happens I, I, I don't want to say, I, I, again, I don't know, how do you, how do you say you, appre- I guess, appreciate it in, in a certain light, I suppose? I don't know. I, I don't want to, like, I really like this movie, or I thought it was shit. Neither one. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I just, uh... Forget what monster movie it's from. I want to say, it's not Jaws, but it's something similar to that. Something, probably a ripoff of Jaws. Yeah. But. There's a, a line from like a professor type character that says, "I appreciate its purity." Or, no, I respect its purity. I respect its purity. That, yeah. that, I, think, <laughs> I think that's what I, I. I respect this film in a certain light. Yeah, I respect its purity. Yeah, it's garbage, but it knows it's garbage. Don't yeah, don't. It's classy garbage. Don't watch this again. Yeah, please, please don't. Watch don't this. don't watch it. Um, but I do. I am eventually going to get to some of the more up unsettling films that I had mentioned uh, that don't kill animals yeah when i think about it it's like we we've been planning a fucked up shit month for yeah. quite a while now and i think this probably belonged on that list more so than a, an october like halloween list it did but i was having trouble finding the right film and we have a, a promo code for shutter this was on shutter <laughs> i'm like you know what we both wanted to watch it i gotta get this last one i think we should just let, let's do it well that's the whole point of this show yeah. To, to watch the things that we've been thinking about or that we want to share with each other. And yeah. this was an example of both at the same time. So yeah. 
job well done. Uh, that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, here at Catching Up on Cinema and Kyle's Killer October. Um, it was a fun month. It was man. a fun you, month. You made some good picks. I feel like I got my horror education. I got my, I got my like 102, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> under wraps. But... Yeah, do you know what that means for next October? We're <laughs> <laughs> going to get real hard, real I just, fast. I think I'm going to go with the classics next October. I'm going to be catching up on the classics. Okay. Well, anyway, thanks so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, do, do we know what's going to be happening in uh, November? Do I don't. We don't know what's going on yet. Well, stay tuned. Yeah. Until next time.